Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have another special treat for you. We have back with us the IOF boyos, Mr. Ethan Franz and also Mr. Dennis Heil. Now, we've been wanting to get these boyos back on the show for a while because it's always fun to sit down and hang out with them. But also, there was a big thing that happened in the news last year, the Kyle Rittenhouse case that I wanted to address as well. I didn't want to cover it when it first happened because everybody was covering it. There was no real sense to cover it. But it's, it's something that pertains to what they teach at IOF in a lot of their concealed handgun license classes. And they had specific um, what, things to pull out from the case that they've been teaching for years. And it just validated again why they teach what they teach. So we wanted to cover that in general. But also we talked a lot about training and just other things that are kind of going on in society in our world today. Yeah, I mean, granted. Coming into these, we're always like, hey, what do you want to talk about? Anything specific? And we, and again, we did want to cover the Kyle Rittenhouse thing a little bit. Not as a, a deep dive, because I think that's been way overdone in the last year or so. Because again, it was it was like big news last year. But we wanted to cover it in generalities, because again, it validated a lot of things, why they were teaching what they were teaching. But other than that, it was like, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure something out. And of course, there was no shortage of things to talk about. And we blabbered on for quite a long time. But it was it was definitely a lot of fun. And I always enjoy sitting down with these two. But I'm going to stop rambling, let you guys get in the episode. So please, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have the boyos from IOF with us, Mr. Ethan Franz. What up, gangsters? And Mr. Dennis Heil. Howdy. How we doing, boys? Good, good. So if you guys don't know, the boys at IOF uh, stands for Instruments of Freedom. They are, well, Ethan, why don't you tell us what it is that IOF is? Uh, Instruments of Freedom is what we like to consider a uh, self-defense educational facility. So we focus on uh, training and education, uh, all things self-defense. Um, really, the only thing we don't have to offer would be uh, what people would probably consider bladed weapon training, knife fighting. Um, but uh, Ohio concealed carry license, uh, advanced pistol courses, rifle courses, uh, medical courses, which we'll actually circle back to because that's something new for us to talk about. Um and we do a whole vast uh, array of things. You know, I also do our armor stuff in the shop. So I don't consider myself a gunsmith, but I'm a couple pegs down from one, I would believe. I, that's what I would try to consider I would say myself. you could probably do most um, work that like a standard person is going to need on any kind of firearm, I would assume. Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, there's some yeah. stuff with like machining and stuff you probably can't get into, but... Most yeah. most things that you're gonna most people are gonna need you can probably handle. 
Yeah, as far as like any machining or anything that would require me to do anything with machining, I A, don't have the licensing for that, and B, don't have the machinery or the education to do that. So everything I do is either, uh, if I can do it with hand tools, I can generally complete that job. Um, I consider myself pretty mechanically inclined. If I can tear it apart, I can usually put it back together. So, uh, but that's kind of what I do. And then we have, you know, other guys who help out. Some guys will teach uh, the hand-to-hand combat training. We call that self-defense and awareness. Uh, that's a gentleman named Wally and my wife, Courtney, who run that class. Um, Dennis helps me with a lot of the pistol training. Um, and then we have Steve. He does the rifle training. And Jeff, I mean, he's just kind of the old man in the corner who keeps everybody in line, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, he, you know, obviously he has his experiences. Precision rifle is kind of his. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's kind niche, of but... well-versed in everything. Like one of those like jack of all trades, master of none kind of mm-hmm. things. He yeah. can kind of hop in wherever's needed. He's got all the contacts from yeah. doing this for years and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and it, like, let's be honest, he's honestly usually the first face you see when you walk in the shop because he's right there by yeah. the counter. <laughs> he's the first one you see. Like Steve's hiding in the corner. Like you're usually off in, in, your, yep. in your room doing My your work and that and kind hole. of stuff. And, you know, Dennis is usually just, you know, walking around bugging everybody. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how that works. But, yeah, uh, so absolutely. What kind of classes you guys got coming up? <laughs> um. Well, right now we're working on kind of revamping the medical stuff. Yeah, because so, we, like, we got a new year, so you guys yep. wrapped up last year. You know, so you guys, you guys have anything uh, that like you're looking? Well, here's a here's a good question. Like a lot of people set like the New Year's resolutions, right? And I, I made a resolution years ago to not make resolutions. Yeah, right? and I've yeah. kept it ever since uh, because yeah. I'm of the uh, mindset that if I need to change something in my life, I need to change something in my life. Yeah, but, absolutely. Like, for a- but as a business goes, especially now, like and you know. In Ohio, it's a slow time for firearm defense and that kind of stuff because it's tough to get out to go shoot when it's zero degrees outside and there's a bunch of snow on the ground. It's not that you can't. It's just most people don't want to. Right. So it's a good time (laughs) for you guys right now to maybe look over what you did last year, how things worked out, what what didn't go so well, what you can change and revamp for this year. So is is there that kind of stuff you guys are doing right now? Yeah. Yeah, with the – I mean, I think the the medical, again, is a big – part of that um so if was you that something you were just know, lacking so that you're adding in or? no so the way it was set up before we're trying to make it more practical i guess is a, a i would say more affordable and more yeah. practical for the consumer so and, was, and right now that's a big thing with ammo prices absolutely. the way they are because we're obviously still in this crazy pandemic that started almost two years ago now mm-hmm. and it's just it's we don't really see an end in sight yeah. i mean like, i know we've been talking about this ethan at the shop it's like when are things going to be back to normal? Like, when can I go buy ammo, like, for the old prices? Like, chances are we may never be there again. It's, you know, yeah, it's just because, hard. like, the raw materials are tough to get. Like, nobody's, nobody has primers right now. It's like everything's going to these, like, big manufacturers. They're pumping out as fast as they can, but they're still gouging on prices because they're probably working overtime and getting caught up. And if people are willing to pay it, you know, like they're going to charge that kind of money. So as, as soon as people aren't willing to pay that money, then it'll sit on shelves and then it'll start to come back down. Well, and that's and that's one thing I've said since the whole beginning of this mess is I told people, I said, don't freak out. Just if you need a box of ammo, go buy a box of ammo. Yes. You don't have to be mm-hmm. the guy that goes in and says, I need every case of nine millimeter you got. Right. Because here's the thing. If I do that, well, then the guy, you know, Dennis sees me doing this and he's going to go, oh, shit. 
I should probably buy a case of fucking nine. Oh, let's be honest. Right? That's the exact thing that happened a couple of years ago with toilet paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People freaked out and they saw everybody buying it, so they rushed to the store to buy all of it. And then some people who needed it couldn't fucking get it. Yeah. You know, so so instead of buying a case of ammo right then and there. Because a case would be a thousand rounds, typically. Potentially, right? yeah. Anywhere from five hundred to a thousand rounds. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just using that as a general term. Of course. So buying a a lump sum of ammo that would then deplete the stock for everybody else to have an opportunity to purchase. By simply doing that, you're increasing the inflation rate that's happening because the supply and demand chain, right? If, If I sold somebody a box of ammo and then the guy next to him bought a box of ammo and then the guy next to him bought a box of ammo, well, now they all get a box of ammo, but they were able to buy it at a fair price. But if the first guy comes in and he buys all the ammo I got, the two guys who are behind him still want the ammo. But because I either A, have to order it, or B, put a rush on this, that costs me more, which costs the customer more, which then creates this uh, false demand for something that if people would just chill the fuck out and not (laughs) hoard, you know... And that's another thing that cracks me up is all these people that are hoarding thousands of rounds of ammo. I'm like, you, what are you going to do with all that? The, the problem is, is most people aren't going to go use those. That's what I mean. You it'll know, what are you? Bad. Yeah. You know, they'll let it sit in their basement and it'll get moisture drawn. And, you know, next thing you know, they'll be, you know, 30 years from now, their kids or grandkids will be going through all their old shit and they're going to pull this tarp back and then there's going to be like a pallet of nine mil and five, five, six sitting there and. You know, Grandpa, what's this for? Well, that was back during the coronavirus. You know, we was, but. Well, shit, I hope that's my relatives. Right. <laughs> I could use that ammo. <laughs> but, but to me, what's happened is we've created a false demand. I understand the process of making sure everybody has some ammo. But if you would take a little bit of time and energy and invest it in your training, I maybe during this whole thing have had 600 rounds between both my pistol and my rifle. 600 rounds for about each, give or take on hand at any given time at home, you know, and people would always say to me, man, you got to have just a stockpile ammo at home. And I'm like, no, like, well, why not? Like, cause if I really need it that bad, I'll go get it. My 600 rounds is going to be much more effective and accurate than your 6,000 rounds. Yeah. Cause not to mention you're using that mm -hmm. for training. Yeah. But that's the point that I'm making is I spend my time training. I know that if I had to go on a quote-unquote shopping trip around the neighborhood to find ammo, when I go in to find ammo in Joe Blow's house, my 600 rounds are going to get me much further than his 6,000 rounds because I'm going to come in there, I'm going to finish, I'm going to do what I need to do, and then I'm going to take your 6,000 rounds. And people don't want to think about it that way. They think that if they acquire it themselves, then they're all good to go. And it's like, you're about what? Nine meals away from total chaos in this country. If you get people who haven't have their kid have their kids who haven't had a meal in nine meals, like three days yep. worth of meals that they haven't had, they're going to do just about anything they can to get their kids Absolutely. some food. And if that means kicking down your door, they will and taking your food because you got a bunch of it. They're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Now. I would like to think that as Americans, we'd like to be more hospitable to Absolutely. others and be a community and help each other out and be like, hey, you need some food, bro. We're like, come on over. Like, I got you. We'll cook some food. I got a bunch of stuff stocked up. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll take care of you. But the problem is, is that 
that only goes so far. Mm-hmm. And most people nowadays don't even know their neighbors. So the likelihood of that happening and them helping their actual community out yeah. is, is very Just unlikely. Diminish. So it's like you give people, like, again, nine mm-hmm. meals. Yeah. They're going to turn into animals because if, well, if they need it, they're going to go take it. Well, when you're a dependent human being instead of a self-sufficient human being like most most human beings are these days, um, yeah, you freak out when you start to lose your supplies and you know your food source and that kind of shit, and you don't know how to acquire it yourself. Yes. Because most people yeah. don't. Well, well, that's I, a, I'll tell you what. Like We're, we're getting off on a side yeah, tangent. I, I do want to circle back to this because yeah. I really do think it's important. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about like the classes you got coming up and like why you made it more practical for the medical yeah, stuff sorry. and what's going on so mm-hmm. we can wrap that up and then we can kind of move back into what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't know our current medical, the TAC Med class that we had, that was a two-day, 16 hours. Um, Which I've had a friend who go, went through it. He said he loved it. He said it was amazing. Yeah, the biggest benefit for somebody to do that was probably for the medical professionals who needed the continued education credits because they could get 16 hours of that by doing the class it was also the most expensive class that we had and there's a lot to go into it yeah it it covered basically everything so what we're trying to do now is break it down into um anybody that's ever checked out uh combat medic they have what they call their march system they kind of break all of the medical training down into different groups. So you've got massive hemorrhaging, airway, circulation, that kind of stuff. And that's what we're trying to do basically with our, what? What's the other two? Oh, uh, what is it? Massive hemorrhaging, airway, <laughs> respiration, circulation, and hypothermia and head trauma. Yeah, is the M-A-R-C-H. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're trying to do is kind of break our classes. Uh, it won't be five individual. A couple of those groups are pretty small as far as what our abilities are to teach within that. Um, so like massive hemorrhaging, that'll be its own class, basically like a one day, you know, what you would most likely need to do if you had to defend your life with a firearm yes. afterwards, the kinds of wounds that you might have to treat. Yes. I mean, agent Tom talks about the time when mm-hmm. he comes on the show is like self-care buddy care. It's like, yep. If you yep. don't yep. know how to Self-aid do that, buddy. you exactly. guys are in trouble. Well, yeah, I, so making it more practical like that, where you can come in, you don't have to spend $800 on a two-day class. Yeah. You can come in, do a four, where, again, eight-hour a, a class. a professional who does that for a living, right. th- that's easy because they get their credits, exactly. they can get their yeah. stuff, they get equipment. It's like it's, it makes sense. But, but for it, the average person, it's tough to, to kind of swallow that. Because it was mm-hmm. also our le- least, how, how would you say that, least populated class? Attended class, maybe? Yeah, yeah. least attended yeah. class. And I think a lot of it had to do with that. It was $800. Uh, it was 16 hours, so it's two days in a row, and we, you know, because we're closed on Sundays, we ran it Friday, Saturday. Well, most people can't afford to spend $800 and then take a Friday off work. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like Dennis That's said- a lot to ask. We're mm-hmm. going to break it down. Instead of two eight-hour days totaling 16 hours, we're going to break it down into four four-hour days, but it'll be at the student's discretion. So, essentially, when you come in and sign up, you would take TACMED A, which is going to be M for the March system, intro to TACMED, understanding what this is, and then dealing with massive hemorrhaging. That's going to be TACMED A or TACMED 1, whatever we end up you know, officially titling it. And then in order for you to do TACMED B, which would be the A and the R, you know, uh, airway and respiration, you have to complete TACMED A. Okay. So you're working your way down. So you kind through. of work it like a college credit. Like you've got to have this class yeah. done before yes. you can move to this class. Yes. So that way we're teaching. So that way, if someone really only needs to learn how to apply a tourniquet, 
you know, that's, that's what we're going to teach them. They don't have to sit through a 16-hour class just to learn how to carry a tourniquet with them, you know, and maybe pack a wound or something. Because at a minimum, if I could get anybody to learn any one medical skill, it would be learning how to stop somebody from bleeding to death. And that, that's been interesting that they've seen, like, in the war, like in Iraq and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. is because before they would say never use a tourniquet. And now they're handing out tourniquets like crazy, and they're using tourniquets all mm-hmm. over the place, and they're saving tons of people's mm-hmm. lives. Absolutely. So, like, I, I mean – I know I carry one on the range. I know you do yes. as well. I would assume you do as, as I've well. I've usually got two on the range. I'll say yeah. I carry multiple on the range. <laughs> like, as I typically, like, I'll go shoot matches or what have you, and I've got, like, on the back of my belt. Yep. Like, I'll put it on there, and it's like a bright orange case. Yep. So everybody knows that, hey, if they need it, rush up and grab it. I don't care. Yeah, like, just use grab that it thing. and like, use it. That's what it's there for. It's it mm-hmm. meant for everyone to have access to it. Yep, absolutely. Luckily, you've never had to worry about it, but it's just it's nice to know that there's something there just in case. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... So, again, our whole approach is to try to make this more consumer-friendly because I think that more people would be inclined to do that when they can, you know, have a better chance of scheduling for it. The price isn't near as high. You know, people can budget for that. Yeah. And plus, um, like you said, they don't have to run through the whole thing. They could be like, okay, this is what's important to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take these now. Yeah. And then later, if I want to do something, I can come back later, maybe a year or two later, mm-hmm. if I want to do some more training. Because, you know – there are many there have been many opportunities that were wasted because people couldn't afford to take the two days and i think that more people would learn or more people would be willing to come to the class pay us to learn if we could if we could provide that information to them at a much more realistic sense i guess i I don't know how to describe it makes sense so i got you you know like that first class tac med a it's all about massive hemorrhaging you know 90 percent of pre or 90 percent of combat deaths happen in a pre-hospital setting so that tells me you know that the majority of people who are sustaining these kinds of injuries are dying before medical service even arrive right you know we consider things like our normal cardiac output versus how much blood we have in our body to how much we leak out when we sever a main artery, you know, and then you have to consider the heart rate of the individual, you know, which affects our cardiac cardiac output and, you know, things of that nature. And when we're talking about simply applying a tourniquet, that is what makes, it makes all the difference in the world. And uh, I was just talking to somebody yesterday uh, and they were telling me about how a buddy of theirs got his leg cut open by an angle grinder and they had to take three belts. There were three guys in there that ripped their belts off and tried to use and make a makeshift tourniquet, and they couldn't get them tight enough to stop it from bleeding. Yeah. You know, and he told me, he goes, ever since then, I, I keep a tourniquet at, at the shop in my toolbox. Smart. You know, mm-hmm. and I was just like. I mean, but for yeah. legs, you might even need two. Yeah, absolutely. Legs are big, there's, big muscles and veins and arteries and everything. I mean, there's a lot of meat there. There's mm-hmm. few things in there's a few things that I will tell people to never skimp on. You know, there's certain pieces of equipment in my life that I'll never skimp on. You know, growing up, my dad used to always tell me, don't buy cheap brake pads and don't buy cheap batteries for your car, right? Well, buy a good tourniquet and buy a couple of them. It's the same concept. You yeah, know, don't not, buy not cheap stuff. Not to mention, stuff. a good one's like 20 bucks, right? Yeah, I think we 20, sell. 25. I think ours are 25. Between 20 and 30 bucks, depending on where you buy it. So yeah. we yeah. will I mean, either. Granted, you can get a cheap one on Amazon for 7 bucks, but guess what? It may not save your life when you go to use it. Well, I've seen 
knockoff tourniquets mm-hmm. that are not name brand like North American Rescue or Recon Medical or something like that. I've seen the windlasses break during training in, you know, practical applications. You know, they yank that tourniquet and they're cranking and they get like the third crank in and that windlass yeah. just snaps. And, and, I'm and like, imagine well, you being out in the field and yep. actually needing it, whether it be at a shop or you maybe you were like uh, cutting down trees and yep. a chainsaw or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. and you, you need to, you actually need it to possibly save your yeah, life. Absolutely. To just, hey, do that, like stop the bleeding, make a phone call, get the squad there, do whatever. But if it breaks and it doesn't work, you may not live. Yep. So, yeah, don't skimp on that. So, 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 you, so you got that kind of stuff coming up. You have any classes scheduled yet? As of right now, no. Just, okay. Just but nonetheless, it's coming up. So if people want to find out more information where they go for classes, where they go? So they can go to ioftwtg.com uh, or they can just check us out on social media. Just check us out on uh, Instagram at, at Instruments of Freedom uh, or you can check us out on Facebook, just Instruments of Freedom. Uh, Stop okay. in the shop if you're familiar oh, with yeah, the local area yeah. down it's, at the bottom of Bell It's so much Avenue, fun to just come in right and hang out. So it's, it's always good to be there. So <laughs> well, um, if I you're t- definitely in the area, stop by and say hi to the boyos. Absolutely. And I yeah. do know that there is a, uh, I think it's a practical rifle class coming up that Steve's running. Um, yeah, he intro, said it, intro to tactical rifle. There we go. So intro to, to rifle. Yeah, March 19th. Basically I like a AR platform rifle. So it's uh, March 19th of twenty twenty. Two, 2022 <laughs> and it's $175 per person yep. uh it's going to be about 400 ish rounds yes. so uh, that's great because i was I've, I've got a friend who's interested he mm-hmm. might be taking that so i was like giving him all the information he's yeah. all excited and i told him was like when i took my class the intro to, to tactical mm-hmm. carbine or whatever yeah. it was way back in the day when i first met jeff uh, before you were on board yep. with him with ed and um it was interesting because it was a two-day class yep it was well over a thousand rounds. I think pretty close to two thousand rounds, and you needed like multiple magazines and yeah. mag carriers oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it was a fuck ton of fun. Oh, oh my yeah. god, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 almost impossible to do that nowadays yeah. because again, it's hard for people to get a Friday Saturday off to go mm-hmm. to the range, spend that much money for the class plus the money for the for ammo. ammo. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the magazines and the mag pouches and, and a yep. sling for your rifle and if you don't have some sort of optic on it already, I mean, you know, I guess you don't need it, but for the most part, if you don't have your rifle already yeah. decked out, it's like you're going to want to get it ready for class because you're going to sight it in. You're going to yes. do those kind of things. You have to de- kind of decide which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I was texting him and he was all excited because he's been shooting more pistol recently. And yeah. I said, hey, you don't need to take this class because 5.56 five, ammo you know, for the AR is expensive right yeah. now. I so say if if it makes more sense, you might want to do a pistol class now mm-hmm. and do one of those later. Maybe when pr- like ammo becomes more available or prices yeah. come down. And he was like, "It's like no, it's like I've been buying it slowly. Like you're talking about buying a box here, box there. Yep. Been kind of collecting some ammo. He's like, I've been shooting more pistol, but I'd rather get some training in with the rifle. Yeah. So like this can be perfect for me. I'm like, awesome. It's like I've got some gear you can borrow, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go like buy everything brand new or yeah. do whatever. And it's like mm-hmm. we'll take we'll take care of you. It's no big deal. But I told him it's like is a shit ton of fun. So I think mm-hmm. there's a couple of spots left. So if you're hearing this soon, get a hold of the shop and there might be a spot or two left. Yeah, today. But I don't think there's too many more. I think there's maybe two two or three spots open. Because so, as of today, it's the 23rd of January. Yes, and this should go up hopefully this week. So as you're listening to this, it's probably like the 25th or 26th if you're listening to it right away. 
But that's uh, depending on how ambitious I get this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> if I'm going to edit the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no yeah, problems. so the intro to Tack Rifle, that's, you know, uh, Steve is kind of in charge of uh, instructing all the rifle classes this year. You know, that's where he kind of shines. So we're going to let him uh, run that this year. And like I said, Dennis and I are uh, kind of approaching the medical thing. And, uh, you know, last year when we redid the advanced concealed handgun class, you know, we kind of brought that back to the surface again and we've been running those actually pretty consistently mm-hmm. um it obviously it tapered off with the cold and the snow and everything but yeah but it's, every, it's always a slow time does. of year this i mean this part i mean we got three months of bad weather here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. now there's the shoulder months that can get kind of bad but you can train through yeah. those like some rain some wind whatever yeah but that's when it's, fine when it's zero it's hard to get people to come out for classes to go shoot it just is well not mm-hmm. only that but as the instructor i have to consider the safety of the students you know i am responsible for them while they are on my range and there's one thing that um you know kind of always ticks in the back of my head is that if you know somebody has a heat stroke or somebody gets frostbite you know or something i'm responsible for that you know maybe not the whole extent of it but for the most part i am because i'm the one putting them in that element in that position and when we are dealing with the things that we're dealing with loaded firearms or you know, trying to learn and grow. I feel like there's a lot of times where people are standing out in the freezing cold or the blazing sun, and all they're doing in their head is instead of listening to me and comprehending the information we're teaching, they're just cussing at me in their head. They're yeah. like, this motherfucker. They're just dude. miserable and trying you know, to survive the They're day. like, I can't feel my fucking toes, you know, or I can't feel my hands. Or, you know, like yesterday I ran a CHL class and we ended up uh, rescheduling the range portion because just when I would go outside when we would take breaks and stuff, Within five to ten minutes, I would start to feel the skin on my hands harden from being in the cold, and that's not a good sign. It was quite chilly yesterday. I yeah. Mean, I think when I left the house in the morning, it was negative 11. I yeah. Don't know, I don't know what the wind chill was, mm-hmm. but it was fucking cold. So, you know, at that point, and I told the students, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. And I told them right the moment everybody showed up and we sat down in the classroom, I said, hey, there's probably a good chance we're not going to make it to the range today. I said, I'm sorry that it's this way, but I'd rather, one, be honest with you. And two, I would rather you be upset with me and still go home whole than us go out there and somebody do something they shouldn't do or somebody get hurt or somebody have some kind of negative reaction to us being in the elements. I'm just not willing to take that risk. Yeah, there's, Again, there's always another day where it's it's gonna there's going to be a 40-degree day with the sun out. Yeah. There might be snow on the ground, but you can get some good training in. Well, and that's – and again, like I said, I'm responsible for those people. Yes. And if I if – I, put them in a position where something bad happens and I guess who gets to eat that shit sandwich. Yes. <laughs> I think this is a great point where we can kind of circle back to what we had kind of gotten off of the tangent mm-hmm. already. It's, it's kind of what we do here. Yeah, it's, that's it's kind of how we roll. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I, I really encourage people right now instead of like, like, like you guys were saying is like mm-hmm. going out and hoarding a bunch of shit. It's like get some stuff, get some, get some ammo, get some gear, get the stuff you need to get and go get some training in. Because I think that, you're going to be so much better suited going forward than just having a shit ton of ammo or guns or and or both or whatever just lying around the house. I could go out. I like using the mechanics analogy. <clears throat> um, you know, just because I go out and buy a 500-piece Craftsman toolbox set from Lowe's, that doesn't make me a mechanic. Just because you go out and buy a gun and hoard a bunch of ammo does not mean that you are prepared to fight for your life with yeah. that gun. Right, it's the training. That's the most important thing that you can invest in. Yeah, because it's funny because yep. you see a lot of these people nowadays. 
especially with like ARs. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it seems to always be the ARs. Like they want the fancy this, the fancy that, the oh, yeah. $2,000 whatever. And it's like when I first bought my AR, it was, well, granted, it was a long time ago. I didn't know shit about ARs. And I, and I got one that is like, it was in my price range. I was happy. It was like, here we go. And I got it. Of course, it was inflated because there was a craziness going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Everybody was buying guns like, like crazy because of somebody who got elected or whatever. And it's like, guys, like, how, I always tell my friends, like, it's going to be fine. Like, stop it. Like, stop doing the stupid shit. You're going to deal with this eight it years. Is, it is what it is. Like, I, I bought it the wrong time. It's my fault. But I, I bought this cheap rifle, and I was like, I've gotten more training in with that cheap mm-hmm. piece of shit than most people have with their fancy, you know, mm-hmm. $2,000 rifles. And mine's like a 500 I think I've spent $550, maybe $600. Maybe it was $650 on it. I don't remember. Like, five $600 range is mm-hmm. what I bought it for. Granted, the rifle... Like a couple of years ago, before all the craziness, mm-hmm. would have you could have walked in the store and bought it for like four hundred. Maybe you found it on sale yeah. for like three seventy five or something like yeah. that. Because it's like it's the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. It's not a name brand. I mean, it's a DPMS, I think, but it's like it's the lower tier of yeah. You could the, buy them the, cheap. The name brand, what mm-hmm. have you, right? But this people again, people poo poo on it, or whatever. It's like, I'm fine with that, whatever. But it's like I've gotten more rounds down range with that mm-hmm. rifle. Than most people have probably with all all their different oh, yeah. weapons, you know, because again, because I've I've focused on training, I've gone out and used it, but it's like I've gotten to the point now where I've I've outgrown it. And it's like I've got so much into it, especially because mm-hmm. like once you buy the cheap one, you realize, oh shit, I can't do this, I got to put this on it. And like yeah. oh shit, I can't do that, so I got to <laughs> put that on. And then you're adding this and adding that, and then before you know it, it's like damn it, I got a bunch of money into this thing, and I I can't but, sell it for what I got into. It's but, like damn it. But here's the mm-hmm. point: is the fact that. You took your gun, you went and trained, and yes. you realized, oh, this piece or part or tool or gear does not work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or it does work. And then that was the point where it's like I've outgrown it because I, I want something different because I've done so much training that I know what it is that I actually want. Yeah. Because it's like I'll end up building one or, or uh, yeah. have you build it for me. but. Like, that'll be the idea is that I want to build one that's simple for what I need because I don't need the super Gucci whatever with this and that. Like, I want something that I can go out and train yeah. with, but I just want it set up for what I want because, again, I've done enough training mm-hmm. that I actually know what that is. Well, and that's – so my one rifle that I do all my training with and stuff, it's a Smith & Wesson M&P 15. I've had it for probably eight, nine years, maybe even ten years at this point. And, I mean, it – at one point kind of looked like it got drugged behind a pickup truck down a gravel road. I mean, it, it was pretty well wore out and I put a nice handguard on it that had like some blue anodizing and stuff on it. So it looked kind of flashy. And I went to the range one time and these guys were just busting my balls. They're like, you know, fucking you, you know, that's not, you know, they're going to see you coming through the woods with that. And I'm like, all right, man, we'll see what you do. when we get up to the line, <laughs> you know, we get up to the line and I'm just smoking these dudes left and right. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, man, that blue gun shoots pretty good, don't it? You know, and those guys were kind of, ch- you know, it was all in, in good fun. But uh, you know how guys well, are with their yeah. guns. Like, but last the- time I went out with an AR, it was a, a, a literally a $500. It was the cheapest Armalite basic AR you could get. I had a, what, a $15 set of wish.com flip up sights that somebody had left at the shop because they said they didn't, they, the front one would always fall down. So I've got maybe 550 bucks in this gun. Everybody else's there was probably uh, well over 1500 Oh, easy. Yeah, and outran all of them. I mean, 
It's just about the training. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's, it's very about very the, few people will ever conduct enough training to be able where they themselves can outrun the fire. Yeah, it's, it's about the skill you have. Yeah. It's not about the gear that you have. It's, which is one of the funny things that uh, I've been talking about this recently. It's like back when I was <clears throat> shooting pistol matches and mm-hmm. doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Because again, I didn't know any better. Like that's just what I did. Like I, I still do some of that now, but. I don't follow the rules and I don't try to game it like a lot of the guys who go to these matches. Mm-hmm. I just go in there to, to get some trigger time and then mm-hmm. move and shoot and do some of the stuff that I can't do on a static range, which is which is fine, right? Because I'm using it for my own training. Right? Well, but, and that also gives you like a baseline to understand how you're performing. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, whether or not you're meeting their rules, you're, you're still going to see some kind of time and an accuracy rating. Yes. Right? Which, so which, you, which is nice. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, it, it gives you real feedback of what it is you're doing, mm-hmm. what you're doing wrong, what you need to work on. But like for me, it's like, cause I've done enough of these and I kind of know what's going on. It's like, okay, this is what I need to focus on. I need to focus on my draws, my reloads mm-hmm. or whatever. Who knows? It doesn't matter. But back when I first started, it was like, I had my Glock 23, 40 caliber, right? And it's, it's, uh, this, what, brother, sister, whatever to a Glock 19, which I wish mm-hmm. I would have gotten because it had been nine millimeter. <laughs> But I got bought into the bullshit because, again, I didn't know anything. Don't start with a four. I don't carry it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I listened to the guys at the gun shop. Like, yeah, you want more stopping power and this and that. But it's not as expensive as a forty-five and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, whatever. So I was out there shooting with my $500 pistol, stock sights, like stock everything, with my $30 holster or whatever. And you see these these guys rock up with their Mm $2,000 pistols and all this and that. And it's like... I'm running circles around. I'm like, what mm-hmm. are we doing here? So I, I had this thing in my head of like, well, why don't you just get something cheap and learn how to shoot it well? Like, why do yeah. you need all this fancy stuff? And then mm-hmm. as I've gotten older and I've done this stuff for a long time, it's like I just spent a lot of money on a really nice pistol. Mm-hmm. And it's like I shoot that thing better than I've shot anything ever. So mm-hmm. it's like I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, why not have every advantage possible? Now, granted, mm-hmm. I don't need to go out and buy a $4,000 SDI mm-hmm. it's 2011. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's the Staccato P or whatever it is, like the ported barrel, the compensator, and all this yeah. kind of bullshit. Like, I don't need to spend four grand on a pistol. Like, but I spent. I mean, I could. I mean, but I, I probably spent <laughs> close to like, what, $1,000 or whatever it is on my SIG P320X5 Legion, which mm-hmm. is the longest name <laughs> ever you know it's like but i shoot that thing better than i've shot anything yeah. i just put a red dot on it because i'm like why not have every advantage possible mm-hmm. like, everyone's running these things nowadays why not make my life yeah, easier absolutely. it's not that i can't shoot it well with the the regular sights on i shoot well with that thing but why not have the advantages like why not have all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff that's what i've been telling people but there's there's got to be this point where you can't be the guy who shows up with the two thousand dollar pistol to a match and then gets outrun by a guy with a five hundred dollar pistol. And I mean, you, you can't face, be that yeah. guy. So it's like you got to find. Like, I mean, you the can. Guy. You just don't want. To. Yeah, just really don't want to. You can just once. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, and it's funny because I was even talking to a guy last night. I was at a a friend friend gathering last night, and we were talking. You know, we went outside to choke down a cigarette real quick, and so I'm talking to him. And uh, he was telling me about his carry gun, you know, uh, Springfield XDS 45 and blah, blah, blah. And at one point during the conversation, he even said to me, he goes, man, that thing's not really that accurate, though. I can't I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with it. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, man, it's not the gun. It's you, bro. (laughs) Like, you know, but I'm not going to insult somebody (laughs) by saying that um, in that setting, but now, if you come down, well, if you come down to my store and we get talking about your gun, and you ask, and you're like, "Man, this thing's not very accurate." And I'm like, "No, it's you." You know, but if I'm at a friend's house and we're just chatting, like this is the first time I'm meeting this guy, 
and he's telling me all about his pistol he carries, and he's like, man, it's just not very accurate. And I'm not just going to be like, well, you, you suck, fucking, bro. You suck, bro. You know, <laughs> yeah, way to go, nerd. You know, but uh, I just think it's funny because I hear that a lot. You know, guys who will be like, you know, I got my CCW and fucking I got this gun and, you know, I just don't know if I like it, though, because I can't shoot it. You know, it's not very accurate. And I'm like, no, what you should say is you're not very accurate and you need to practice with a different pistol or practice with that pistol. It doesn't matter. Practice something. Do something. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm I'm a firm believer that if something feels good in your hand, you're probably going to shoot it well. Like I always tell people that because you can kind of get like a feeling for it after a while. You got to have enough shooting experience to know what that feels like. But maybe it's just me. But to me, I find that statement to be somewhat uh, ironic because how so? Because in my mind, I have never picked up a gun that I was like, "Wow, this just doesn't feel good in my hand," because I have a proper grip on the gun. The gun is designed to be gripped a very specific way, right, which is the proper grip that we teach in all of our classes. If you grip your gun that way, I've never felt – I mean, yeah, there may have been like a texture on the grip or something, but I don't think I've ever truly picked up a gun other than some little, you know, bug pistol – you know, this tiny little thing that fits in the palm of your hand and thought to myself – Yeah, the bug pistol will be a backup gun. Yeah, you know, that just – I'm just like, oh, man, it doesn't feel good in my hand. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it because I'll hear people say that. They'll come in the store. It's got to feel good in your hand. And I'm like, well, you don't even know how to hold the thing. How do you know what feels good in your hand? Well, here's a good point for that, right? Because I was looking at selling my shield, which I ended mm-hmm. up doing. And I, I ended up buying a uh, SIG um, P365XL, mm-hmm. which is like the new – they say it's going to be the Glock 19 killer because it's like a smaller footprint. Yeah, we'll see about it has that. the same capacity. <laughs> no, a lot of people are saying yeah, that because like yeah. – the the 365s from Sig like completely mm-hmm. changed micro carry because they went from having seven or eight rounds in your weapon to yeah. now having twelve to fifteen rounds. Yeah, in your I weapon. agree with so that. So it's it's crazy. So I was like, hey, like why not get rid of seven rounds to pick up a handful of rounds? Like this this could be good. Like I like this idea. But I was talking to Agent Tom who does a lot of firearms training mm-hmm. and everything else. He's like, dude, your hands are big. Like you're not mm-hmm. gonna like a small pistol like that. Like. And I went and I shot it, and I was like, I shot the thing just fine. Yeah. Because he's like, your hands are so big, you're going to like be pulling the trigger or pushing because you're not going to be able to pull straight back and all this kind of stuff. I was like, well, here's the thing. I was like, I've shot a bunch of different pistols, and mm-hmm. I've never had a problem. Like, I shoot everything pretty well. I don't. Mm-hmm. I shoot some things better than others, you know, but I tell you, like, when I went to the store and I picked up, I picked up that X5 Legion, mm-hmm. it just felt amazing in my hands. Mm-hmm. It's a big, beefy grip. It's heavy. I liked how it felt. Is like this is awesome. I love this. So then I borrowed one from you guys at the shop mm-hmm. to go shoot. I was like, I shot that thing better than anything I've ever shot before, which is why I ordered the Legion. Yeah, ended up selling my old range gun, which is our Glock thirty four. It was a nine millimeter long slide. Mm-hmm. It's like I liked my Glock. I shot my yeah. Glock really well, but it's like I love my Sig mm-hmm. just because it feels so good in my hand because it fits me yeah. well. But it's not that I can't pick up the XL mm-hmm. and still shoot that thing well. Is, yeah. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. like, I'm not looking to make 50-yard shots with that. Mm-hmm. Like It's it's a concealed carry gun. Like, yeah. If I can shoot it out to 10, 15 yards, I'm happy. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. most of it's going to be well within that kind of range. Yeah, six feet or less. Yeah. So know. it's like I've never had a problem shooting anything even with my big, giant hands. Yeah. But there are some that just feel better to me. And some mm-hmm. people, when they pick stuff up, like, oh, I like this. I like yeah. how it feels. Like, let's go shoot it. Let's see if you like it. Yeah. No, and again, I'm not saying that other people can't or won't or shouldn't understand or feel that concept. 
It's just me. No, no, no. I completely you know understand I mean? where you're coming from because, again, I've been told you're not going to like this because your big hands. Like, oh, I'm going to shoot it just fine. As long as, as long as when I put my thumbs forward, like I always do, with yeah, my as grip, long as my thumbs, as long as I'm not past the muzzle where it's going to get burnt off, we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Came <man>. on. <laughs> so yeah, so to me, but that's so that's kind of where I feel like this conversation is going to lead to, and that's the whole educational side. Like most people who come in to look at a gun. I would rather them pay to take a class, pay the extra money, rent a gun from us, let us put a gun in your hand and shoot it, and then you now have a baseline of, one, how to grip the gun properly, and two, what we consider to be a quality firearm, and you can then determine, do I go up from here or do I go down from here? Because not to mention, I would assume you guys have a pretty good range of stuff that people could rent if they wanted to. Believe it or not, yeah. so yes, but generally when a a student comes in for a class and they rent a pistol, we don't let them pick. I give them the pistol. Okay. I say, no, you are going to shoot this gun. Okay. And I have two Glock 19 X's and a Glock 19, just a regular 19, and we've got a Smith & Wesson shield, and I've got a Springfield XDM. Yeah, 3.8. Yeah, so some of the more popular ones out there. <clears throat> but other than the shield, they are all medium to full-size frame pistols. Yes. Right, I do not have students come into this class shooting compact pistols. No, you it's, know it's not a good thing to do. No, absolutely not. I'd rather have people learn on a bigger pistol. But the big reason why I encourage people putting a Glock nine or why I put a Glock nineteen in their hands over, in my mind, any other pistol that we have or carry, is because they're very simple to use. Um, they're very rugged tools. Um, I'm not worried about a customer breaking it or destroying something on it. Um. As well as the fact that it's, in my mind, relatively ergonomic. You know, a lot of people, they'll bring in their gun and because it's a Smith & Wesson Shield or a 365 and they don't know how to even cycle the slide properly, you know, I can't tell you how many students we see struggle with just, just locking their slide back to the rear. On some of those micro-carry pistols, the springs are really tight Absolutely. because the pistol's mm-hmm. so small. It's very difficult to do you that. Know, I wish that every new shooter would buy a Glock 19 first. And, and I know that the guys, we bust each other's balls <laughs> about what brand is the best. And, you know, Dennis, especially Dennis and I, we're always going back and forth. You know, he's he, he's got his and I've got mine and mine sucks and... You know, he tells me why, and his sucks, and I tell him why, and you know, and then we pat each other on the back and whatever, and it's all good. But yeah, but not to mention, you guys could literally swap pistols and run stages probably just about as effectively and as fast yeah. as you would with your own. Absolutely, yeah. right? Realistically, yeah. so like they're both good options. But how did we get there? Good answer, Matt. Training and repetition, baby. That's what I said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so so I wish that every new shooter would buy a Glock 19 first. And I wish that they would learn how to shoot that pistol correctly. And then once they did that, <laughs> then I would encourage them to either buy a bigger pistol or buy a smaller pistol or what have you. But I, I seriously wish that each, to me, the Glock 19 is the Honda Civic of the gun world. You can do anything you want to it. Yeah. You can customize it's, it any way you want. It's not going to blow your doors off, but it's always going to run. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to me, I think that that's, that creates a baseline. Right, I now have a baseline of what I consider to be quality, and then you know things that I shoot. Okay, this is above the baseline. This is great. Staccatos, you know, Wilson Combats, you know, high dollar firearms, you know, and then we have the below the baseline. Sorry, guys, but Taurus, uh, car, car arms, uh, 
what was that? There was that one curved pistol that Taurus made. I think it was called the Taurus Curve. It was a 380 pistol, and the frame and slide were mm-hmm. curved so it would fit against your body better. Or uh, what was that fucking folding Glock that one company made for a while? But High Point. Good quality brand. <laughs> yeah, there you go, buddy. That's <laughs> that, my, does that one even count? That's like a doorstop, right? That's my right. can. <laughs> I think that one's like you, you like put it in the back of the toilet, just drop it in the water, and then hope, hope that it is like a backup of a backup of a backup if something breaks in your house. That's my, <laughs> that's my gangsta gun. <laughs> but, you know, so we've created a baseline now. We can figure out what's above the baseline, what's below the baseline. And not only that, but the individual student on a Glock 19, the only thing they need to learn how to do is function the weapon. Right, put a magazine in it effectively, charge the slide effectively, and pull the trigger effectively. I see people struggle with grip safeties and trigger safeties and uh, even mechanical thumb safeties. You you know, people were like, oh, you know, they go to squeeze the trigger and they dive real hard, and I'm like, you okay? And they're like, I have my safety on. And I'm like, the whole purpose of us (laughs) training is for you to get used to this. Not, I get that people make mistakes, and I'm not going to berate them because they were human. But when you watch them do this four, five, six, eight, ten, twenty times in yeah, a row. A couple of times I get. And they're like, oh, I keep forgetting that safety. I'm like, then turn it off <laughs> and leave it off. And they're like, well, then the gun's not safe. And I'm like, is your finger on the trigger? Well, no. I said, then it shouldn't go off. <laughs> then it's safe, right? This is my safety, sir, you know? So I just... I think that when you break it down to a more simplistic way of understanding, I think that people generally succeed better. Instead of me trying to teach you to do 10 things at one time, I'm only teaching you to do four things at one time. Yes. Which, you know, the human brain, we're not... If you can simplify the process, it makes things a lot absolutely, easier. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, uh, when it comes to the term multitasking, we as human beings actually cannot multitask. What we can do is task stack. Meaning that we stack our tasks on top of each other, and generally the average human being can only perform roughly seven given tasks at any one time on a conscious and subconscious level, okay? So when in in times of extreme stress, in times of extreme boredom, that number drops to three, all right? So if I, somebody's trying to, Shoot me, stab me, rape me, kill me, whatever. Obviously, this is not the boredom part of the scale. This is the stress side of that scale. So now my brain is trying to perform specific actions, right? If I can simplify that to three actions, or three actions, I should be able to perform those actions without having to uh, struggle mentally and physically to perform those actions, right? So like when we teach the draw stroke in class for our CHL class, the first three steps are the most important steps to us. Expose the gun, grip the gun, draw the gun. After that, everything's supplemental to the situation. Yes. Right? So that's how we break it down. I give them three tasks because in that self-defense setting, pucker factor is about 9,000, right? Their brain only needs to remember three things. Expose, grip, draw. Yeah, and they can still work through that even under stress. Boom. Now... Now, it's interesting, as you say, that you would recommend everyone get like a Glock 19 or something similar to, to start off with as a pistol, which is interesting because that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. I got something that I thought, okay, it's big enough that I could take it out to the range, mm-hmm. but it's small enough I could 
kind of conceal yes. it with a heavy coat or a jacket or what have you. Can't exactly conceal that in, in a, in a mm-hmm. t-shirt. You, you just can't. It's, it's too big. But well, even on my frame, which I'm, I'm giant. But well, I've been telling people. I would disagree, but we'll come back to that. I mean, if, if you have the right holster and the right setup or everything else, yeah. you could definitely hide it. But for what I was doing, yes. I, I couldn't easily hide it. Mm-hmm. What have you? I mean, I could have changed everything and kind of made it work, but that's why I got something smaller because mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's easier to carry, right? But I wish that I would have done something more of like what I did when I bought my bigger pistol, my Glock mm-hmm. 34. I wish I would have started there, given something that's just for the range mm-hmm. or just for competition, and learned on that because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Why not have again every advantage possible, and then work into something smaller to fit my my lifestyle, my carry or what have you, or like whatever you need. So I, what are your thoughts on that? Instead of having something that's like a jack of all trades and like getting, instead of like, so going that road, like why not go big or go home and get like the five inch barrels and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Why not? I mean, start with that medium to full size. Um, I, Grant, I learned on a Beretta M9 in the Marine Corps. So a full size pistol. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess the way that I look at it is, if I can get you to learn on that mid to full size pistol, right? And once you've be actually become proficient at gunfighting, you've learned those skills to where carrying concealed can actually benefit you, right? Because just because I carry a pistol, if I don't know how to use it, it's not really yeah. That, that's benefit, a, is that's it? the thing that drives me nuts. <laughs> is somebody will sit through a CHL class, do their yep. their bullshit range time that's the standard here in Ohio, yep. and then they'll throw a pistol on their purse and or throw it in their purse, mm-hmm. and then they'll go carry it. It's like you don't have any kind of real training. You don't. Yeah, you the don't skills that they learned are the exact to, same skills that the monkey. In the 1960s, learned when they taught it how to shoot a yeah, revolver. Yeah, because like you don't know how to draw from concealment. You exactly. don't know how to grip it yep. properly. You don't know how to move and shoot and reload under stress and do those kind of things. Like you need to have those kind of skills if you're actually going to carry out in public. Yeah. So I say start with that mid to full size pistol. Once you've become proficient with that and you have a be- a much better understanding of what you would want in a carry gun, then maybe that mid to full size if it's too large to carry that becomes your home defense mm-hmm. and stays on the nightstand yeah. or, or and then you go ahead and you get that smaller yeah. carry pistol something that's more comfortable for you to carry around okay that's my philosophy okay it. yeah makes sense and and that's basically the road i'm going is because even after you've learned to use that weapon system if you choose to then go to a smaller handgun uh you then still have something that would be a good viable option for home defense or range time um and again, like I said, there's all kinds of even, you know, non-practical, off-the-wall, really cool shit you can do with Glock 19s, too. You know, so I don't I don't think that it has to be, you know, you have to buy a Glock 19. That's got to be your first carry gun. But I definitely think that's, in my mind, one of the best guns for a brand-new shooter to learn on. And it's just because it's a simple tool. It's effective. It works. It runs every time. And you can usually pick them up for what I consider a fair price in the gun world. Um, the parts are extremely available. Magazines are extremely available. Um, you know, and like I said, it's, it it all comes down to simplicity and being able to learn to use this tool, right? Before I start making any kind of deviations one way or another, you know? So again, I think you have, you have to create that baseline. Everything in life has a baseline. People, places, events, cultures, religions, it doesn't matter. Everything has a baseline. So our defense is the same way. We need to create that baseline. And, and to me, with the handguns, that's where it starts, is having a, a, a decent pistol to start learning the fundamental skills on. You know, 
I think when you have a, a, a gun that allows you to understand trigger reset, it allows you to understand locking the slide to the rear and using the slide lock in a, in a reloaded, you know, for emergency, emergency reloads, reload, yeah. you know, um, having, you know, the Glock stock sights really aren't that great, but they're not bad either. You know, they're certainly workable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so you're learning how to, you're learning how to do all the basic fundamental skills and the, and the tool that's there is, is practical for that. Right. So when you reset the trigger on those $2,000 staccatos, you know, there's times where you get a false reset because you don't even feel it because it's, you know, crisp and light, you know, yeah. you're just going to be blam, 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 you know, just flicking the shit out of that trigger. But on my Glock, even with the stock trigger, click, oh, okay, there's the reset, <sighs> bang, oh, cool, yeah. you know. So I think that by allowing the tool to help the student learn those basic fundamental skills is all, just as important. And to me, that's a a portion of that deciding factor. That makes sense. I know something else that we wanted to get into, and I think this is a good time to kind of switch gears here, is that last year there was a, a big hubbub in the gun world about um, a shooting that had happened during uh, some of the protests that were happening during the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. protests and riots or whatever it is you want to call those things. And it was uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, yes. That was obviously huge news last year <laughs> of, of what was going on. And I had a bunch of people ask me, it's like, hey, you're going to cover this in the podcast? Are we going to talk about this? What, what do you want to do? Because we do a lot of political stuff here on the podcast as well. And I was like, I don't really want to cover it because like everybody and their mother's covering it just because it's the the big hot topic of the year or month or day or whatever it was that was going on. But it's like, like what what, what can I add that's going to change anybody else's mind? Because like, I'm in the same boat as a lot of other people, but there are, as we were talking in the shop, that there are some things from that case that kind of validated a lot of the things that you guys teach in your classes, which I think is what separates you guys from an actual, like, so it's not the other teachers and stuff aren't qualified to teach CHLs and kind of like, but the kind of person like I took mine from is like, they literally brought out the book that you're supposed to read and mm-hmm. like they read the book. So that way you can't come back and sue him and say, you didn't, he didn't teach, teach you yeah, whatever. What the and then says, yeah. we went to the range, like we punched holes in a pie plate, like an eight inch round pie plate at 15 feet. And it's like, <laughs> I can almost do that blindfolded. I mean, yeah. like, what are we doing here? Like this isn't teaching me actually how to have a concealed handgun license and be out there because, I mean, I tell people, hey, it's great that you did that because that's the qualification here in mm-hmm. Ohio. That's awesome. But I would much rather you take a class from somebody like you guys at IOF because you're actually going to learn more stuff. So um, for people who don't know what the Kyle Rittenhouse case is all about, let's break that down and then get into what is actually the important thing is like what are the big takeaways that you guys have been teaching and then that validated of why you – will be continuing to teach those kind of things in your CHL classes. So I would say the number one thing, um, and I I only say this because I was actually watching the case live. I followed it day by day on Fox News. And um, the very first time that the prosecution got to question Rittenhouse, the, the very first time they ever got to ask him questions, right? Um, I think it was the second or third day of the trial he was on the stand. Well, before, before, and, before we get there, let's break down what it is that happened and how we got there. Okay. Well, yeah, so if you didn't know what happened, um, Kyle Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old kid. 
He was technically a resident of Illinois. He had gone up to Kenosha, Wisconsin while the riots were going on, um, ended up in a self-defense scenario where he shot three people, killed two of them. Um, yeah, and he was up there and then he was on protecting trial, uh, family members' business? So right? it wasn't a family member's business. Okay. Now, I know there was a lot of shit in the very beginning where people were saying he had no reason to be there whatsoever. You know, he never should have been there, blah, blah, blah. His father has lived in Kenosha, um, and this came out in the trial. His father had lived there for 15 or 20 years, I think. So it was normal for him to go up and visit okay. family. He had family there. Um, I think the two car lots where everything kind of took place, um, they were not family members that owned the car lots. They were just, I think they were just people that they had kind of run into. He was with a group of friends. I think one of those guys ended up knowing the owner. So the whole goal, so he went down there in an effort to provide medical attention yeah. to people who were out at these demonstrations, whether you want to call them protest riots, I'm just going to consider it a demonstration. Fair enough. So um, he was there to, in his mind, essentially provide medical aid to anybody who would require it. So uh, during his time of being there, uh, he had met a group of people who then asked if they would be interested in helping them protect their property. In a roundabout way. That's me generalizing the statement. That's fair yeah. because, again, we need to break it yes. down for people who don't know anything about the case. So they said, yeah, sure, we'll help you. And so they would go from car lot to car lot, which were several blocks apart. And then while this was happening, they would then offer people medical attention. You know, they'd walk them down the street and say, hey, anybody need medical help, blah, blah, blah. And uh, at one point, uh, he got into an altercation with a gentleman and – they started to engage him physically, and so he attempted to retreat from them, and it escalated to the point where they, uh, two individuals started to attack him. So he engaged one. Uh, engaged the, one with a rifle. With a, yeah, with an AR-15 with a rifle. Um, engaged the one, uh, I believe, initially killing him immediately. Now, I'm not 100% sure about that. And when I say immediately, I mean he died within minutes yes. of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, he then fled to a secondary location where he was then attacked again uh, by somebody with a skateboard when they had tried to uh, impact him on the head with a skateboard. Uh, he then defended himself against them with deadly force with the rifle. Secondary time. Again, I'm not sure the time of death of the second individual. I do believe it was pre-hospital. I believe it was at the scene. Um, and then he was accosted by a third individual with a the third individual had a handgun and was kind of I think based on what information I saw looked like he was hesitating back and forth whether or not this this guy was going to shoot Rittenhouse with a handgun and he hesitated and so Kyle Rittenhouse kind of defended himself when he realized this dude had a gun in his hand and he basically decimated the top half of this dude's bicep with a five five six round and uh so so it's, so, it's like the movies well, he shot the gun out of his hand by shooting him in the arm yeah well <laughs> actually there was a picture of the guy he's knelt down on the ground and you can see there's a huge chunk of his bicep missing mm-hmm. he still has the gun in his hand yeah that's not surprising it's, mm-hmm. it's not like the movies people nope <laughs> and where a lot of the at least from what i could see in the media and stuff a lot of the questioning of legality and everything everybody was saying well 
he never should have been there. He was underage, so he wasn't allowed to have a rifle, you know. All this well, something was allowed so, to have a rifle. Right. So he wasn't allowed exactly. to legally they, purchase one for himself, right? Which, right. Because I and believe he purchased it so through they, a friend. They, yeah, they investigated all that, and they found him to be fully within his rights. Um, should he have been there as a 17-year-old kid? No. I would say hell no. No, no. Like, what, but what parent would at drop the same time, off? that does not mean that you negate your right to defend your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, no, he probably shouldn't have been there. Well, there, but, here's, here's the thing. And, then, and, and I wouldn't say he was innocent of anything. No, no, of course not. But, like, the, that boils down to the big thing. Is like, should he have been there? No, of course not. No, he, but he should, nobody should have fucking he, been exactly, there. Exactly. Right. He shouldn't have had to worry about it. It shouldn't have been a thing. None of those. Because, again, kids. a peaceful protest is one thing. But so to happen, like, last year, like, what all the stuff that had happened with the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. protests, demonstrations, whatever you want to call it, I don't, I don't care. It's like, things seem to always get out of hand. And... Like, whether that's just some bad apples, who knows? But it's just things always got bad. So it's like, mm-hmm. as a, as me personally, like, I would have been as far away from oh, there yeah, as possible. Yeah. But granted, if if that demonstration would have marched down the street in front of my house, I would have been there with a rifle to defend myself oh, and my property if I needed to. But I'm not going to go out looking for it. So should he have been there? Of course not. No. But here's the thing is, like, he was. Things, things happened. He defended himself against a uh, threat of violence or death or what have you. And now, like everyone like everyone on the left is clamoring for his head. Everyone on the right is saying, no, he was lawfully there. And what happened? Like, But here's the thing. It's like we had to have a trial to see if he was within his yes. rights or not. So that's yeah. that kind of brings us to where we're at. Well, I so, see a lot of the, the, the media saying that, you know, the court found him innocent of murder, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in my opinion, no, he... He wasn't found innocent of anything. He absolutely killed two human beings and severely injured another one. 100%. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. He was justified in doing so yes. because he was defending his life. Yes. That's why he is not guilty of murder. Yes. He is absolutely guilty of killing two gentlemen and injuring another. Uh-huh. But he's not guilty of murder because it was justified. Yes. Self-defense. Yes. So the, the trial was a, yeah. a huge thing in the news because, again, everybody on the left thinks that he's a murderer and he <clears> killed <throat> these poor, innocent people who didn't do anything wrong. Right. Just skating around, doing whatever. And it's like, I don't know if that's really the case or not. But, again, I wasn't there. I didn't see it, so mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. So when the trial kicked off, like, um, dare I say that uh, people were pretty upset one way or another of, of what was going on. Well, what, no matter what side of the fence you were on, like I think things were a little heated in the uh, media and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And it got crazy on both sides. You, had, you, you always have extremes always. on both sides. You had the extreme left, he's a murderer, blah, blah, blah. You had the extreme right, oh my God, he's a savior. Like, no, he's neither one of those things. Yes. He is just a, he, he's a, a kid, young human being he's that was a kid defending who got his put life. into a bad got, situation and unfortunately yeah. had to act and end up taking well, the lives of a couple of now, people. My my biggest takeaway from the whole thing was the fact that since the first day I walked into IOF, um, any of the pistol, any defense class that we teach, especially with the concealed handgun license, there's a point in the CHL class where we always ask, do you shoot to kill? And I'd say a third, ten, third ten, to half of the class ten, sometimes says yes. Some, some say no. You know, they kind of, half of them don't answer, they, whatever. And we always tell them no. You do not shoot to kill, right? If I am shooting you with the intent of killing you, I'm no different than a murderer. But if I'm defending myself, I'm not shooting you to kill you. I'm simply shooting to stop that act of aggression that is threatening my life at that moment. Now, when I 
to loop back. So when the prosecution, the very first time they got to question, and I've got the video on my phone. I actually taped it sitting on my couch on Fox News Live. Mm -hmm. I think it was almost three minutes that prosecutor sat there and asked the exact same question over and over and over, just reworded it slightly different. And you know what it was? Did you shoot those guys to kill them that night, Mr. Rittenhouse? No, sir, I was just defending my life. Yeah, but you shot them with the intent of killing them, right? No. And this went on for literally for three minutes. Oh, yeah, he asked him the same question probably about 20 to 25 mm-hmm. times. Same question, different word, different verbiage. But basically what he was trying to do, again, was get Rittenhouse to say, yeah, I intentionally killed those guys by the way he was wording those questions. That was literally like the very first question they asked him other than, you know, give us your name, blah, 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 verify you're you, right, in the court of law. Did you try to, you know, did you shoot to kill those guys? Well, absolutely not. You know, I was just defending myself, you know, I, you know, and it just went on and on and on. And it's, this is what we talk about. This is what has validated our point, right? Again, you've already been teaching in your class. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. And this and is a real-life situation that happened where somebody had to use a firearm to defend their yes. own life. And it's like it's just it proves point. Absolutely. Like, again, like having a good teacher is important. So so I've had students say to me, because I, I believe we've talked about the difference between the CHL and CCW, right? Yes, we've talked okay. about that here on the show. But break it down real quick so, for people who haven't listened to old episodes. Uh, CCW, very commonly missed used misunderstood term uh in the state of ohio ccw is a criminal charge for when you are illegally arrest or you are arrested for illegally concealing a weapon on your person ccw stands for carrying concealed weapon it's right in the ohio revised code you can look it up we have a concealed handgun license um and it says right on the card you get ohio license to carry concealed handgun hence chl not ccw so you'll again if, if people listen to the us talk and listen to previous episodes They'll notice that I never once refer to it as CCW unless I'm being facetious, right? Uh, or snide. Yeah, because there, there's will. a lot of places you go to, they'll talk about CCW classes yes. here. Mm-hmm. So even you go to the sheriff's office, like your CCW oh, yeah. paperwork even they here is like, it. Yeah. like, come on, what are we doing here? But so, it's, it's such a norm now that most people don't realize yes. that it's actually the wrong term. So uh, I had a student say to me verbatim, well, that's just splitting hairs. And I'm like, you're damn right it is. I said, it's not me you got to convince, bro. It's the state of Ohio. You know, I'm the state is a lot more hard nosed about this than I am, man. Uh, I don't care what you call it, but just know that in the event that I'm sitting in a courtroom setting, my job is to get out of here alive, right? You know, quote unquote alive. Basically, get out of here without going to prison for the rest of my life or any time period. So, by being more educated on the subject matter at hand, Right, the chances of that prosecuting attorney using that information against me is going to be almost zero. Because look at the way Rittenhouse answered the questions. Well, no, I wasn't intending on killing them. You know, they just happened to perish as a result of their wounds from me defending myself against their act of aggression. Right? They and it's we've made a huge fucking joke about it. You know, and they'll say, Mister Rittenhouse, what was your Instagram tag? You know, is this you, Mister Four Doors More Whores? Right, and everybody, TikTok, Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, they think that's fucking hilarious. But what people fail to realize is that they were willing to bring up the fact that, oh, this is your Instagram handle? This is who you are? Oh, this is the person who was out that night, right? Mr. Four Doors More Whores, right? 
people forget that kind of shit. They think that that's not going to, it's not going to be at that depth, right? They think this is going to be as shallow as the puddle they stepped in on their way into the store that No, morning. they're, they're going to dig through right? your life with a fine tooth comb. You go back mm-hmm. and watch that trial. Not only did they question him about that, they questioned him about him playing Call of Fucking Duty. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, you, you know, you play Call of Duty, you must be wanting to kill people in real life. You know, you do it on a video game. You know, so, I mean, how many of your buddies, you know, play Call of Duty? A lot of them. How they, many they, buddies, they, you know? They, they we talk sat. about it at the gym all the time. Like, you nerds. Like, <laughs> right? grown ass men be playing video games. Dude, right? he and I but have they sat get down. Into and, it. Yeah. He and I have sat down and spent hours in front of the TV playing Call of Duty with uh-huh. each other, you know? You know, we got our headsets on. We're fucking chatting. Hey, you know, whatever. And I think about that. What if I'm questioned about the fact that I defended my life and they're like, well, you play Call of Duty. What the fuck's that got to do with it? It doesn't. You're goddamn right it don't. But the fact remains is that they are still willing to bring that information to the court to make you look discredited. The thing I try to get across to all of our students if I'm teaching the CHL is that I, I get that the U.S. justice justice system is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. That doesn't seem to be the place that we're at nowadays. that's not what it is. No. No. You get into that courtroom, and it's a presumption of guilt until you prove your innocence. That's certainly what it seems like nowadays. And as sickening as it sounds, that courtroom is nothing but a fucking game, right? You've got two teams. You've got a prosecution team and a defense team. And no matter how things play out in that courtroom and all is said and done, I guarantee you, it does not matter what your innocence is, that prosecutor does not want to walk out of that courtroom a loser. He is going to do every single thing that he can to put you in jail, no matter how justified you were. And that's why you have to watch that verbiage. You know, it's just a word game. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, I mean, think of it this way. How many defense attorneys have you ever heard of turning down a case because they don't think they can win it? Not because they, not because their job is to be a lawyer and represent people in the court of law, but because they don't think they can win, and that will affect their percentages. Mm-hmm. It happens. It's sad but true. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So look at all the prosecutors you hear about in the media right now. These crazy big cities with shitty prosecutors that are just letting criminals go left and right. Well, that trial, eh, we might not win that trial. We'll just let the guy go, even though we know he's a drug dealer. People have overdosed from the drugs he's dealing out on the streets. Ah, we don't feel our evidence is quite strong enough to win the case, so we're not even going to bother. Just let him go. Maybe we'll catch him later yeah, on something more solid. Instead of letting the system solid, right? do what the system is supposed to do, they're, they're worried about wins and losses <laughs> yeah, on their own record sheet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sad, but it really is the truth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when a student comes in and they're like, hey, I want to sign up for my CCW class, and I say, okay, you know, and, uh, and just inadvertently, whenever I respond to that, You know, I don't correct them, but I just simply use the term CHL. And I've had students ask me, you know, well, is there a difference? And I'm like, no, we'll talk about it in class. And so if a a customer comes in the store, I don't berate them if they call it a CCW. I I don't even correct them, right, unless they were one of my students. If you were one of my students and you come in and you say CCW, I'll go, what? They're like, yeah, my CCW. And I'm like, you're what? (laughs) <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> my CHL. And I'm like, okay, then, right? I know what you're talking about now. No, I know what you're talking about, right? And the same concept with like Clip and Magazine, right? Do I get butthurt about it? Mm, sometimes. But generally, it's because I, I know that people know better and they just refuse to be educated. They, they're ju- they just want to be ignorant because it's easier, right? 
And ignorance is bliss, right? Well, that's that's <laughs> what they say, I guess. I, you know, but uh, the things that you don't know still can hurt you. Absolutely, just so you know. <laughs> you know. And so I try to just get people to understand, like, you're not waking up one day and saying, "Ah, eh, you know, I'm gonna go fight for my life today." Fuck it, I ain't got nothing else to do, right? You wake up and you're 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 having a shit day because you're in, you know you and your significant other got into an argument the night before and they're pissed off at you and you're pissed off at them and the dog shit on the carpet and you're carrying the groceries in and the the bag ripped and you got a flat tire and you you're running out of gas and you ain't got no money and you're all pissed off and you're trying to do this do that and then somebody fucking attacks you that's when it's going to happen when you're carrying your groceries out to your car well the thing is like things have gotten so crazy now like all over the country Nobody's prosecuting anybody for these like small crimes. So it's like you see, like Didn't, theft is up, crime is up everywhere. I think like New York City or California up. just changed uh, armed robbery from a felony to a misdemeanor. I saw something in the news either somewhere in New York or California. I think they just changed their laws against arms armed robbery and lowered them to misdemeanor I mean, charges. Things are getting crazy. Like I was I was down at the barber shop the other day and. The barber who like obviously deals in cash has mm-hmm. money on him. Like mm-hmm. everybody knows him around town. So it's like and he goes outside sometimes like a, people come up to him and say, Hey, give me all your money. You know, and he's like, Fuck you. Like, I earned mm-hmm. this money. Like, I'm not giving you my money. Yeah. But it's like he's talking about all that like it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. It's not like it happens. Like it's never that doesn't never never happens to me. You know, like I, I'm not just walking down the street where somebody mm-hmm. randomly comes up and says, Hey man, give me all your money. I'm like well, fuck you! I ain't got no money. Like, if you want to look, I'll help you look. But he's but shit. But you said he's known for having large amounts well, of cash. That's right? the thing is, like, people know that he deals in cash. He's always yep. got cash on him, so he he becomes a target. And he said that somebody approached him like a few weeks ago, like some some big guy, and he like came up to him and said, "Hey, I'm gonna give you an option today. I don't normally do this. You can give me twenty bucks now, and I'll leave." It's like, oh, I'm gonna take all your money. You know, and he was, and the guy's like, "Well, shit! Like, this this is just the times that we're in. Like, what's yeah. he supposed to do?" Like, go out in the middle of the road and, like, flag down a cop, like, hey, this guy's threatening me or whatever. And it's like, what's he supposed to do? It's like, he's going to defend himself. He's like, mm-hmm. well, he's, he's like, I'll tell you what. It's like, I'll give, you, I'll give you one option as well. He pulled out a knife, flipped it open. He's like, you can leave now or, or I'll, I'll cut yeah, your I'll ass cut and send you, the, send you to the hospital. Yeah, like, you can either leave him one piece or you can leave him multiple yeah, pieces. Uh, you uh, pick. Like, up to you, bud. No <laughs> money, no holes, or all my money and a bunch of fucking cuts yeah. and holes in yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so so what so did the guy do? Like, he, he left or whatever. You know, but it's like, how long is it going to be until these asshats, like, now start bringing knives and guns to this fight and, well, and, and start to, like, pull that on him? And it's like, and that's and he'll be like, fine. Here's the fucking money. Like, I can make more. It's like it's not worth fucking dying over. Well, and that's it. the downside. But, he's he's now showed his hand, mm-hmm. right? So but, but, now but, the but, bad but, guy is just going to change his approach. But it's not even just that. It's just like society's got. Ten mm-hmm. years ago, that wouldn't fucking happen. Yeah, you wouldn't hear of that happening. In or a, if it in, did, in three or four of the patrons like inside would run out and beat the shit out of the yeah. guy that was trying to rob him. But but nowadays, right? <laughs> like this is just commonplace. It happens to mm-hmm. him all the time. Well, and most of the time, he just tells them to fuck off and they'll leave him alone. Yeah. Because they're looking for easy targets. Mm-hmm. As soon as somebody starts to stand up against them, like, they don't want to get fucked up or yeah. arrested, so they're going to back down most of the time. But what happens if they're fucking high or drunk or both or whatever, and it's like, yeah. like they don't know what's going on. Like, you have to be able to defend yourself. Some people just don't give a shit about going to jail. Yeah. Some people just don't give a shit about their well-being. You know, they're if they want what you got, the, you know, they'll they'll get it, you know, and... But I think part of it is, too, is the system we've created. Because now, for me, say say I was one of those patrons, and I was watching a store owner, a small business owner, somebody who worked very hard for that money, get robbed. 
and I run out in the street and I kick the shit out of that guy and give old boy his money back. And I'm like, here, man, here you go. There's a chance that the guy that I just beat up can sue me. The same guy that just robbed the place. Yeah, the same guy that just committed a crime can now pursue legal action against me because I did something that benefited an individual and the community, right? Yeah. So so most people won't even stand up and do anything. Yeah, why the fuck would I? They're so afraid of the like the flack against them. The fact that we have to have, you know, I think a lot of people um, understand the term alter ego laws. Right, where I can legally defend the life of another human being. Right, there's a law that defends me if I defend the life of another human being. That's a good Samaritan law here in Ohio. Or, uh, I think yeah, it was called. yeah, good Samaritan here in Ohio. I think when I did it in South Carolina, they called it the alter ego law. You know, if I saw you were unconscious and not breathing, and I provided CPR, but I broke a rib while doing CPR compressions. Right? Yes. That's that law you, protects so me. I can't sue you. So you can't sue me yes. for breaking your rib, yeah. even though I just saved your life, right? The fact that we have to have those laws is ridiculous. Yes. Why? I mean, the fact that hum- another one human being would want to try to sue another human being who just saved their life is just, I mean, it, bl- it blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. I think it's just like just a complete lack of values and morals in most people's lives. Yeah. Like what else? What else could it be? I mean, there's no a, other explanation in my mind. Extremely materialistic society, and I say that because of the shit you see in the news, right? The I think we talked about it before. The, the Asian woman, I believe it was in Baltimore, where the muggers drove up beside her, reached out the window, grabbed her purse, and she reached in the window and fought with them as they drove down the road, and she ended up rolling off the side of the car. Right? What What was in that purse that was more valuable than her own life? Nothing. But that's not the thought that crossed her mind. The thought that crossed her mind was, oh my God, my Gucci purse. I paid $500 for that, right? I need that back. I have to have that. That is me. No. That's just a fucking material object. Let it go. Get a new one, right? (laughs) Yeah, but then there's also the fact that you got somebody taking your shit, and they shouldn't be taking your shit, so I I can get one to get your shit back. They, They shouldn't. I'm not saying they should, but yeah, again, but, uh, what's more important in that moment, my life or that purse? That woman, if she, I mean, imagine if she had children at home, what did she do? She risked orphaning those children because of a purse and a cell phone and some credit cards, all things that could easily be replaced. I think it's fair. But again, I think that, again, a lot of it comes down to the dynamic of the situation because I get it. It surprises you, right? You don't have, I'm sure, yeah, she didn't have time to really think about all this stuff. But still, the fact that the the first decision her mind goes to, the first thing that her mind thinks about is the material objects and not her own life says that there's something wrong with society, to me, anyways. When we start valuing material objects, over human life, that's a problem. No, that's fair. Cricket? Yeah. Cricket? I, uh, <laughs> so, again, I think a lot of it just comes down to the dynamic, you know, because I do agree with what Matt said, you know, uh, nobody should be allowed to just unopposed take something that doesn't belong to them. Mm-mm. Right, no, they but shouldn't. I do agree with you too because if I was walking down the sidewalk and a guy grabbed something from me and ran, I'm not worried about getting drugged down the street. 
Right. Right. But I'm not going to lunge half my upper half of body into a moving vehicle in the hopes that I can get that thing back. I'm listen, I am outgunned and outmanned here, baby. I'm gonna have to just take that one on the fucking chin. <laughs> Maybe I should have been paying attention a little bit more. Right? A little better situational awareness. Because and again, I think that's another problem that we have as a society. We have created an environment where because everybody's feelings are so easily fucking hurt, right? Everybody has to mind their own business, which to an extent they should. But for example, and, and we see it all the time, people sitting in a restaurant or walking down the sidewalk and they're so absorbed in what they're doing yeah, that they can't focus on what's going on out here in the real world. And they're literally just staring at their phones walking yeah, that, yeah, down Each the world that they hold between their fingertips. But, is all so they, weird. But... <laughs> You know, and, and, and obviously, you know, this is not a new thing. And this is where I disagree with a lot of people. And they're like, oh, fucking phones ruined. And I'm like, no, this was going on long before we had cell phones. You look at a picture of a subway in the 1940s, every single person got a newspaper or magazine, and they're just buried in it. Right? It's the same thing. It's just a different method of application. But the problem is, is that we've created an environment where people are so afraid to socialize with others whether on a person or a positive or negative scale that people just withdraw into themselves. And now we've created this little bubble that we think we need to exist in. Right. So like one thing that we teach in our uh, training courses, uh, specifically the hand to hand stuff. And I struggle with this a lot with women. Women need to do what is considered better for them in a safe manner than something that is considered socially acceptable. And so what I mean by that is, I was say, what do you mean? So I, I I break it down like this: the elevator theory. And again, I, there's no women here right now, so it's kind of hard for me to do this. But ladies, if you're listening, I want you to seriously think about this for a second. You're standing in a structure, parking garage, a apartment building, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're standing in a structure. You hit the button. You're waiting for the elevator to come down. The elevator door opens, and there is a man standing in the elevator. He does not appear to be good nor bad. He is simply new. He's just a, an, another human being, a man, right? But your brain kind of gives you a little bit of that tingly, ah, okay, you know, goosebumps, right? Ladies, and a- answer this question honestly, would you still step onto that elevator? He doesn't step off. The door's open. He's just standing there. You know, he's, he's, he's not appearing threatening. He's not appearing to be extremely friendly. He's just a, ne- a normal guy, just a normal human being, right? Do you get on the elevator or do you not? It's, it's a yes or no question. And I would assume the answer is probably most of the time yes, they'll get on. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Would you get on that elevator? Absolutely. Okay, why? Because I'm not worried about what some other man's going to do to me. Okay, but again, where did that confidence come from? From years of training and then also like learning how to fight and doing all that kind of stuff. Okay, do me a favor. Say that one more time. I said years of training and learning how to fight. Okay, all right. So if you're listening, you just heard him say it twice. That just answers the whole question. Most people don't go that deep, right? You know, uh, a lot of people I meet are, you know, I've stepped in puddles deeper than them. But anyway, (laughs) so... Most women have a tendency to want to do what is considered socially acceptable. So what I mean by that is the woman sees the elevator doors open. There's a guy standing there and they, even though they feel uncomfortable or unsafe, they would, most of them would step into that elevator 
for the idea of they do not want to make this individual feel bad. Yes. Or feel any you kind of negative. the other person. Yes, any kind of negative yes. reaction to this. But here's the thing. I don't give a fuck what that guy thinks about me. I don't care if he thinks that I'm the dumbest son of a bitch to walk the face of the earth or if he thinks I'm his new best friend. I do not care because I have the same attitude. If this guy wants to try something, you know, we'll tussle. If he if it escalates, I'm going to ventilate him. Well, you know, whatever that may whatever this leads to, I I'm prepared for it, right? But again, I see men have a tendency to be able to make that mental dynamic shift much easier than women. Yes. Right? So the whole socially acceptable thing, and I and I've even asked women this. You know how? Give me just a second. I'll let you. <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. You know how often have you ever been in a store and you look over your shoulder and there's this creepy dude following you from aisle to aisle? And I'm sure you've probably even heard a few women in your life tell you a story very oh, similar oh yeah. to this. Very very common. And I say, okay, what did you do? And they're like, well, I just kept walking. And I'm like, okay, well, what were you thinking? Well, if I just ignored him long enough, he'd go away. That's not how and this I'm works. Like, no, you turn around and you look at him and you go, what the fuck do you hey, want? Hey, fuck face, why are you following yeah. me? You go, hey, shit on my dick or blood on my blade, bitch, you pick. <laughs> okay? And when you say, you know, <laughs> when you say extremely vulgar or outlandish stuff to people, they're, they have to reset their process, their, their computer resets, because they're like, whoa. But, but again, it, it comes back to earlier, as we were saying, most criminals... Uh, and not even just criminals, but people who are going to prey on other people. They're looking for easy targets. Assailants. Yeah. So as soon as you come out and have mm-hmm. some kind of aggression, normally like, hey, yeah. I don't want to deal with any of this. So they're going to usually back off. Not always. Some some fucking yeah. crazy. But you can't. There's other ways to deal with that. It's well, predator prey psychology. Yeah. Yes. So the point I'm making is simply this. We've created an environment where people think that that's the right thing. But to I do. don't know if we've created that or if that's just human na- human nature. No, we've created it. You think because so? It, oh, it wasn't that way 50 years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, that stuff happened, but I can't imagine in 1950 that if my grandpa was in a store watching a creepy dude follow a woman around in that grocery store. That's a good point. That he didn't go, other, hey. Other Samaritans would have come in and be like, hey, leave yeah. her alone. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I'm sure we've all. It, that it, I agree it, with. It does happen. Now, I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen today, that we don't have good Samaritans that would step up and do the right thing, because I've witnessed it. You know, and I've even been that good Samaritan a time or two, you know, but ultimately we have created that environment where people need to basically keep to themselves. Um, We have to worry about what's socially acceptable because anybody can put us on blast for anything nowadays and all these super fake woke fucking people. And they think because they can formulate a dynamic sentence and type it out on Facebook and tell me that, you know, I'm wrong because I don't believe what you believe. And, you know, (laughs) it's going to sound really bad, but like the whole uh, transgender, like LBGTQ plus whatever community, those, that whole, you have to include me. Well, no, the fuck I don't. My growing up, my mom used to always say to me, you're the most special thing in the world to me. The rest of the world does not give a shit about you. Does not fucking mm-hmm. care. And I'll tell you what, that idea, when my mom used to say that to me at eight years old, I didn't get it. I'm like, well, nobody loves me. What do you mean? Look at, <laughs> look at me. I'm so lovable. I'm so adorable. Yeah. You know, but the point that she was trying to hammer home into me is that I need to be willing to take care of myself. 
whether that's a mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, you know, your validation does not come from the world. Exactly. So people are not always going to like you. People are not always going to treat you with respect. People are not always going to be nice to you. Right. And I cannot walk into a situation and demand that you accommodate me. Right. People think that it's the other way around, that I need to include you. Well, how about you suck it the fuck up and learn to live with it just like the rest of us did long before your pansy ass ever came along? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that theory always goes back to Fight Club. <laughs> you know, and it's like that people love that movie or they hate that movie. And I get it. It's 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 polarizing on either side. Yes. But it's it's simple. It's we're not fucking special. We're we're the same as everybody else. And, yes. And my values don't trump anybody else's. Like just because you're you think you're the special, unique, whatever, and I need to do this to mm-hmm. that to bend to you, it's like no, I don't. Like you can do you, and you can be yourself, and I'll love you for who you are. I don't care. Yeah. Like again, you do you. Like, it's it's not a big deal to me, but you can't push that off on me that I have to treat you as a special person because you're yeah. not fucking special. You're the same as everybody else. Well, I mean, what's that person going to do when they go to work and their boss is like? Well, that's, you fucking suck at your job. Well, that's that's the problem. Is they're they're calling it for racism and um, what, what's the other, like this microaggressions? Yeah, it's prejudice and this and that. And they're suing these corporations because they're shitty at their job because they can't deal with people and yeah. actually do work. It's like, uh, how about you go work on you? I find it uh, very humorous that as intelligent as we are as creatures, we we've been able to manipulate our environment to the point where we've created an environment that I don't wake up and have to worry about dying, getting eaten alive by some wild animal or something. We've created an environment that has become so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So pussified. Yeah. Oh wait. No, that's perfect. Perfect term. (laughs) So pussified that I now have time to worry about little shit. Like this. Mm-hmm. That, that's usually the this fall of... This uh, group didn't include me, or this group did include me. Yeah, it's usually the fall of nations when you start worrying about well, the stupid, so, and pathetic it, it, shit. Just the other night, it made me think. Like, I was just sitting on the couch thinking to myself, like, look at the rise and fall of Roman society. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right? How did that society start? It started as two warrior brothers that created the city of Rome, and they fought. And those men and those citizens fought for several hundred years of war, just developing that society, creating a safe place for those citizens to live in, right? And they developed that and created such a safe place that all this other shit started to come up, right? We got rid of these major problems, these life or death worries. So what do we do now? Well, I don't need to worry about life, but I'm going to, so I'm going to worry that you won't include me with your group, right? I don't have to worry about dying today. So let me worry about some stupid petty little shit like inclusion in this group or inclusion in that Mm -hmm. group or the petty things that you might say to me. Look, if you're offended by something I say, that's not my fault. That is 100% your fault. Because that is 100% a conscious choice that you made to find the words that came out of my mouth offensive. Exactly. It's like, what, what's the old saying? Is like, what happens when somebody spits on you? What, what does it make right. you? You're just wet. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, what makes me mad? Like, exactly. it infuriates me. Like, no, it just makes you wet. Right. And you these, get, these are choices you that we can choose how you react. Right. And if, if people would actually take the time to be, to try and put a little focus on themselves and the choices they make, the way that they react to certain scenarios, right? You can start to see and develop yourself. Um, you'll see the way that you react. You can start to change those reactions to things instead of becoming immediately offended 
I think about it. Well, it's funny. And then I realize that, oh, wait a minute. That wasn't my thought. That was that idiot's thought that made him say those words. It's not something stupid I did. It's something, they're, they're just a stupid person. No point in me wasting time and energy being offended. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's why it's funny when you said earlier, it's, I mean, just a little bit ago, it's, there's uh, we're intelligent creatures. It's like, I don't know if you've met most people nowadays. <laughs> it's like, well, we're, we're getting dumber by the day. That's and it's, that's perfect point and, there, And it's right? interesting because like, everybody always thinks that in society we keep progressing forward. It's like, we're progressing backwards. It's like, if, like I was listening to a podcast the other day about a, a teacher who teaches eighth grade and having to deal with, he was in Washington State, having to deal with all these like online schoolings and this and that. He's like, it's almost impossible to fail somebody nowadays, even mm. if they deserve it, because yeah. you, you just, you push everybody through the school systems and like, they're not learning anything. It's so ridiculous. And you meet most people, like they're fucking stupid. Yep. Like granted, mm-hmm. I, I know me, I'm a fucking moron, you know, but it's like, oh, yeah. but I, I can also look back and realize that, yeah. 50, 60, 70 years ago, especially a couple hundred years ago, mm-hmm. people were way more intelligent and educated than we are nowadays. But people want to think that we've gotten better just because we're going forward in time. And that's not the fucking case. Well, well, yeah, I, I could. this kid could sit down and program this computer at age five. He's so fucking intelligent and amazingly smart, right? Well, guess what? The five-year-old 200 years ago, he could have survived without his parents yeah. several years. He would have survived on his own the rest of his life probably. You put that kid out in the fucking wild, he's dead in two days. How intelligent have we really become? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I guess to me, I think it's just the gap is increasing. What do you mean? So, because 100 years ago, we didn't have computers. We didn't have that kind of stuff. So, well, yeah, that five-year, yeah. but that is that is a form of intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but you don't need – I've got this phone right here, yeah. okay? This is a smart – phone or right? supposedly yeah. whatever right i do very dumb things with my okay. smartphone sure. right and it's like just because this is smart yeah doesn't mean that i am just because i can press a couple of buttons mm-hmm. that these programmers yeah. have made so easy for me to use doesn't i mean so it can enrich my life but i don't really think that it does it makes my life more convenient i think but it's it's handy to have i like i'm not exactly gonna go more get rid of it but <laughs> i'm definitely more pussified but again you, but you also have the ability to have every ounce of ever of any information that has ever existed in the, in the in mankind right at your fingertips. Yes, but if I don't use it properly, but more importantly, Underst- yeah, is if if this were to go away tomorrow, and the people who built this mm-hmm. lost all their knowledge or died off in famine or yeah. whatever, you know, World War Z yeah. zombie apocalypse, where like thing comes around, it's like I can't fucking make that. Okay, but ifs and nuts were cocks and butts, we'd all be getting gangbanged, dude. So, <laughs> but but that's the point. I mean, we have it now, right? So I have. I, found- I just don't think that that makes us smarter as a um, society. I'm not saying that just that one thing does. All I'm simply saying is that we have increased our intelligence as a society to an extent because we do have things like cell phones, In certain GPS, aspects. fiber optic cables and the medical knowledge that we have and putting animal organs into people and now they live another 10 15 20 years that didn't happen back in 1900 yeah but how many people do you know 
who've gotten sick with something and gone to all these fancy I, new doctors uh-huh. and they can't figure out what the fuck's going on. Granted, surgeries are way better. Transplants mm-hmm. are way better. I think they're, they're doing really good research with the eyes that I'm super excited about because I've always had perfect eyes and I don't want to like lose my vision as I get older, mm-hmm. which I know it's going to happen. Yeah. But they're doing like all kinds of research about that kind of stuff, especially with the stuff they're doing now with psilocybin and TBI and yeah. brain damage mm-hmm. for all the soldiers and football players and NASCAR drivers, all these people have had these massive head traumas. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff with so, that. But the general medicine is like, I don't think it's gotten that much better. The point I'm making is I don't believe we have gotten less intelligent. I believe we have gotten significantly lazier. That's yeah. all. Ooh, I like that. We haven't gotten less That's intelligent. That's so true. We have just gotten lazier. That's all. Because every Softer. invention known to man, <laughs> every invention known to man, has been to soften or pussify the life of humankind. You name me one invention. Make, the light make bulb. this activity easier yep. or less complex for the human that has to perform it. Yep. Oh, that is such a good thing. Of Look putting, at the light like bulb. A way of putting it. Yeah. People invented light bulbs because they got tired of lighting fucking candles. Right? We invented chairs because we got tired of standing. We invented tables because we got tired of eating off of the floor or sitting around a fire and eating. They're just eating out right? of your hands. Yeah, yeah eating out of your hands. We invented automobiles because people didn't want to have to care for their horse anymore, right? And because it's obviously it's faster and more productive makes, mode of transportation, yeah, of course. But you're right. Of, it's the path it, of least it makes resistance. Things easier, yeah. right? So huh. it's not that we have gotten less intelligent; it's that we've become much lazier. Oh, I, I can I can attest to that because I was I was in a pretty bad funk last year, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite ready to talk about it on the podcast yet. But it was like last year, like. 2020 wasn't too bad for me. Like the, mm-hmm. the two months that the gym was shut down, I couldn't go to the gym. Yeah. And I'm just going to work, coming home, sitting here by myself. That sucked. Like yeah. no human interaction. I live by myself. Like it, that was a tough two months. But once the gym opened back up and coaches like, fuck yeah. this, I'm open. Mm-hmm. Game on. Let's go do this. I didn't realize how much I missed physical contact just by having people in jujitsu sitting on my chest trying to kill me. Yeah. Touch mm-hmm. me. You, you, you wouldn't <laughs> think that that would be like, I would be excited about that, but I was like just yeah. having that interaction and physical yeah. touch with other people was so amazing. But last year, 2021 was a really tough year for me. Mm-hmm. And I, God, I hate to use the, the D word. Like I, I, I don't want to say I was depressed, but I was definitely in a funk for most of the year. Cause like I look at depressed as like, People get up in the morning, they look at a pistol on their nightstand, and they think, oh, should no. I fucking shoot myself in the face no, today? No, that's or, suicidal. There's uh, but a difference I, but between I, depressed I, and I see that as depressed, yeah. whereas like me being a little bit of a funk, because like, granted, like, like, life was great. I had a roof over my head. I had friends who loved me. I, like, I, I had all well, the I, be, I had good health. I had be, all the good things in the world. Winter depression is a real thing. You yes. know, you spend more time indoors. Well, you You're not out in the sun all the absolutely. time. Absolutely. But I, just, yeah, I, you, I hate using the word depressed because mm-hmm. like, I see that as like somebody who's really bad and needs like actual help from their friends or professionals or even medication. Whereas like, again, I was in a funk. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a tough year. Yeah. It, is, it is what it is. But it's like, but like, we're coming out of it. I'm super excited for this year to get fucking away from last year. It is what it is. But it's like, I'm, I'm still excited kind of of where things are. I fucking lost my entire point. Like, where the hell was I headed? <laughs> my uh, mind is human, like, human contact. My mind, I, I know, not, but my yeah. mind just like went, whoop, just U-turn. Like, what were we talking about? I'm not sure where I was going with all that. <laughs> Sometimes I just start a sentence. I'm not sure where it's going. I just keep talking. Sometimes hopefully it just works out. I'll tell you what, man. I've had some major brain fog. And um, I, I got my uh, blood blood work done. Uh, my testosterone's low, so I'm hoping yeah. that once I kind of get that back into normal ranges, that's going to help with yeah. that. Because like, like I literally just completely lost my entire. Like I was going somewhere with all that, 
But now I forget where I was. Well, going. That could also very well be what had you in that funk too. Uh, I think that was part of it. Because that, that, I mean, low t- low yeah, T will have a huge yeah, psychological. I, I, I think it certainly added to it. I don't yeah. think it was obviously all of it. There's a bunch of stuff that happened that was shitty last year. But it is what it is, nonetheless. But mm-hmm. I just a lot of it is that the mind follows the body. Yeah, the body gets weak, the mind gets weak. As the mm-hmm. body gets stronger again, the mind gets stronger yeah. again. Mm-hmm. So. I guess to me, if we're talking about the whole pussification thing, right, it's, like I said, my mom used to always tell me, you know, nobody cares about you, you know, like I do. Nobody's going to love you like your mother. True. And, and, you know, it's it's that concept that she taught me, just that basic idea, and I think that we're missing a lot of that in in the way that people are rearing their children. People aren't rearing their children. They're just putting them in front of devices mm -hmm. and letting videos and whatever. So. Whatever else raised their and, kids. And I've had people tell me, and they're like, what do you know? You don't have any kids. You don't know what it's like to be a parent. And I'm like, fuck you. It doesn't matter. I, I, I shouldn't have to have kids to understand what it's like to be a good parent and be a good role model yeah, and be we've a all good got, provider. I was a kid at one point in well, my was, life. Not, I understand, was, even if I don't have my own. It's not what even it was just like. that. It's like you've got your own experiences. But yeah. more importantly, it's like we're all raising some people's kids, whether it be like nieces, nephews, yeah. cousins, like mm-hmm. close friends, neighbors, like the idea, like, like, like we talked about before, like back in the day, you could like send your kids out in the neighborhood and everyone looked out for those kids because the neighborhood was raising those kids. Yeah. If they were doing something wrong, they're going to get their ass beat by one of the oh. random neighbors or whoever, because they're out there like, okay, no, you're not going to act like that. That's yep. not how we act as a society. Well, but nowadays you can't do that kind of shit. Well, like I said, coming back to my mom. Whenever she would drop, whenever my parents would take me to a friend's house so I could stay overnight, stay the weekend, whatever, I very vividly, and my mom didn't just do this with my friends. She did it with my teachers. She did it with coaches. She would tell them verbatim, if he gets out of line and he needs it, you wrap his ass up. Treat him like he's yours. Yep. You (laughs) beat him as if he was your own fucking kid. And, you know, there was quite a few times where, you know, they didn't spare the rod. You know, and it, and and you know, not that they were like abusive or anything, yes. but I I was getting a punishment that I was deserved. Of. Yes. So, but that concept, you know, was instilled in me that even my parents' friends, given permission by my parents, had the authority to punish me if they felt we did something that warranted a punishment. You know, one time I remember when we were kids, we shot a transformer with a slingshot. And it, it was right outside my buddy's house. And it blew the tree. We hit it just right, and it blew the ceramic boot off of the thing. And it sent sparks all over the place, and it shut the power down for the whole street. Yep. And so we ran inside, and we're hiding out. You know, we're looking out the window and stuff. You know, about an hour and a half, two hours later, here comes a fucking power truck down the road, you know. And we're, like, looking and shit. And you could tell this guy's looking up there, and he's like, all right. somebody's you know, did something. And, uh, you know, had we ever got caught for that, we would have had our asses reamed, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they would have, you know, and, and I mean, all the other times that's that we thousands of dollars worth of damage right there. I remember when I was in grade school, Smithville Elementary, Mrs. Yoder, my kindergarten teacher, she had a paddle in her desk. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the principal one time because I got in trouble, I had to go to the principal's office. I remember him pulling a paddle out and threatening to spank me with it, and that was that wasn't something that they had asked permission where parents had to sign a waiver yeah. allowing them to spank But that was their the child normal in society and for some <laughs> reason we've gotten away from that yeah. and I think it's at the detriment of all these kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it's like just these I, mean, I, I want to blame like the helicopter moms 
Because I think the the dads are a little bit more lenient with like with punishment from other people or what have you. Whereas the moms, like they just they freak out if anybody wants to touch their kids. Like, granted, I get there's real abuse out there, and some yeah. oh, absolutely. And some people go too far. I understand that, but for the most part, people are like, no, these are the rules. You can't break the rules, and there are consequences if you do. Well, and then those people end up getting cops called on them, and then get thrown on the ground, handcuffed, and the knee in their back, and then they end up dying and. That's very true. And then it creates this vicious cycle where people go out and loot and rob and steal <laughs> well, and destroy and burn. And then I just finished, I read this really interesting book um, recently called uh, A Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. And uh, it's this two former college professors, the husband and wife, that wrote it. And um, they kind of they try to give just a, an example or an explanation of what where we came from as human beings as a species like how we developed to what we are now and kind of the way society is now and what it's pushing us towards and one of the chapters is all about children raising children being a parent and they explain how these days you know there's so many of these electronic devices and even though some of them are good learning devices right the kids can learn from them um where the problem lies is the fact that human community as much as we have advanced and we've got new forms of communication and stuff. 80% of our communication is still nonverbal, right? I, it's through facial gestures, yes. body language, right? Yeah, the way you say when something. I am, when the child is interacting with that screen, that electronic device, even though there may be a character on there that's playing out and doing stuff, right? That character does not react to the child's facial gestures. That character does not react to emotion. So what does the child learn? The child learns that nothing reacts to emotions, that it's an emotionless world, that we don't need to worry about how people are going to react. We just do what we want to do and we should expect this in return type thing. Uh, they don't, they don't learn how to understand body language and read emotions and facial gestures. Uh, and that's what leads to a lot of the, the problems. Then they kind of explain how they believe it leads to a lot of the, the psychological problems of, Oh, I'm offended by everything. And it's simply they just don't understand emotions and how that works. So, it made sense. Yeah. No, no, no. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and I think a lot of it comes down to it's just simple stuff that, like I said, we create in our environment that that uh, stems or creates a, a stemming point for things like this to happen. You know, like I remember, you know, even being in kindergarten, first grade, stuff like that. You know, you had the one toy, you know, a dump truck or whatever. And, you know, it was Timmy's turn to play with the dump truck. And then after so long, well, now it's Jimmy's turn to play with the dump truck. And after that, you know, it's little Bobby's turn to play with the dump truck. And, you know, but now instead of that, every kid has to have one, you know, like I remember the first teacher who ever told me I was allowed that we were allowed to like eat in class. I was a senior in high school. She was my English teacher. And it was the only teacher that I remember ever telling us this, you know, they were like, oh, well, you can bring food to class. And I'm sure you guys probably remember this. You're allowed to bring food to class provided you have enough for everybody. Well, why is it my fault that I was the only one smart enough to pack a glazed donut in my lunch? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I have to suffer for that. Now I'm pulling, I am being pulled down because everybody else is refusing to put in the work or yeah, but is do that the not extra the society thing. that we live in? That's the point I'm making. We've created that even mm -hmm. at a grade school level, right? Well, if you don't have enough to share with the class, you know, just don't eat it. Don't bring it in. The thing is, if you if you don't have that kind of mentality, you can't have giant cities. Because where in those giant cities are they going to grow enough food for those people to survive? Yeah, nowhere. They can't. Nowhere. Right? 
So it's expected that the people that don't live in the giant cities that grow all the food, well, they've got to share it, you know, with those people that can't grow it. You know, we've gone away from being self-sufficient human beings so, to being extremely dependent. So, yeah, and, and what would happen was is my senior English teacher, I remember her saying I that she read a study one time when she was in college that people have a lower retention rate of information when they're hungry versus when they're yes. not hungry. Yes. Which is statistically proven. Yes, you know? so lots of studies about that. So, you know, she would say, hey, if you're hungry in class, by all means, have a snack. Get Get that snack in because then I don't have to worry about you sitting there – yeah, being hungry and not paying attention. Yeah, oh, God, I'm so fucking hungry. When's lunch, you know? Well, so I remember, you know, stopping at the gas station on my way into school, and I'd get me, like, a box of glazed donuts or a cereal bar or whatever it was, and I would be able to eat that in my English class, right? And and not once did anyone in that classroom ever say to me, hey, man, that's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. Give you me got one, stuff and I want Give something. me one of your donuts, bitch. You know? <laughs> like, people didn't say that. You know, give me a bite of your cereal bar. You know, they people didn't do that to me. But... But dare I say, that, if they would have asked, you probably would have been happy to share. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Provided I had enough to share. You know? But in the same breath, we've created an entire cycle of where people think that that's how life is. That if everybody isn't included, but it's it's funny because that seems to be like young kids because they're indoctrinated. That's in these, the point. In these super liberal schools, and once they get in the real world, they realize, oh shit, I don't like it when somebody takes all of my paycheck to give to other people who aren't working. Like, well, why can't I keep my money? Like, well, that's not how it's not society you've been fighting for for most of your life. Now you've huh? been protesting for for and the last however many. And years. And that's what I tell people. You know, people are like, hey, you know, we want equality, and I say, okay, I need you to give me twenty thousand dollars, and they're like, well, why? I'm like, because I'm 40000 in debt. And I, I, you know, and that's like the whole student loan forgiveness uh, that uh, the president had discussed. That pisses me off to no end. You're so fucking smart. You went to college. Figure it out. Figure out how you're going to pay it. Because here's the difference. Say I don't go to college. Say I go buy me a pickup truck, right? $30,000. I buy a trailer. I buy a skid steer. I buy a bulldozer. I got $100,000 wrapped up in all my equipment. Right, and then Joe Blow over here, he spends a hundred thousand dollars on whatever fucking it's college education. Co- yeah. College education. Well, he can write that off. He he can you know he can be forgiven for this because well he can't pay it back, right? But this yeah, guy he, over here, he got out here, with his degree and he's now working at Starbucks and slinging coffee. Yeah, but this guy over here who has an excavating company who is stimulating the economy, who is paying taxes on his truck, on his fuel, on his equipment, on his trailer. All that stuff, he can't be forgiven for his loan. Well, no, fuck you. You miss one. You you're one month behind. We're gonna come take your yeah, fucking take truck. Take your stuff. How about if you don't pay your college tuition, we come take your fucking diploma. <laughs> but they can't do that, and they won't do that, right? But yet they'll do that to the guy who's the one actually stimulating the fucking economy, the one who's actually putting the work in, the guy who's actually making himself successful. But I can't go to my you know, tax guy and say, hey, man, you know, I've been in business six years. I had a really bad year. We got to file a loss. You know, yeah, you can do that, but that still negatively affects me as a as a business. Yes, very right? much so. And But this guy over here, he decided that, well, you know, this college thing didn't work out for me. I got my degree, whatever. Now I'm stuck flipping fucking burgers or filling coffee cups or whatever it is. Yeah, but let's be honest. Like, there's no harm in that. If, if you've got to do what you got to do to make ends meet – 
you got to do what you got to do. What's that? You mean like have a job? Well, I mean, a lot of people poo-poo that kind of stuff because like that's below me. I'm oh, not going to go do that. I'm not saying like, that. Hey, it's like if times are tough, like go fucking get another job. Oh, like, I'm go 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 to the side, learn a skill, like get get a, get yeah. a better paying job. Like you got to like a lot of these kids nowadays, like they don't want to work right now, and it's because they're getting all this free money from the government mm-hmm. that's going to come at a high price later from hyperinflation that's headed our way. But they don't realize that yet because they're dumb. They don't realize how the economy. No, works. it's free money. Which to them it is, but it's going to cost them. But nonetheless, it's like. But now they're not going. They're not going to these uh, less than desirable jobs. Mm-hmm. We'll say because they don't pay enough. I, I'm not. I'm not worth. It's not worth my time to go because I'm getting money from the government. It's like, well, yeah, I understand that, but that money's going to run out, and wow. you still got to pay your bills. Like, well, I need to get paid this much money. Like, well. To get paid that much money, you need a skill. So what skill do you have? Mm-hmm. That sounds like oh. a very dependent human being no, to me. I don't know about that. <laughs> but it's like, like again, like to get paid the kind of money that these kids nowadays mm-hmm. are demanding to get mm-hmm. paid, is like you have to have skills that justify that kind of money. It's like I've worked my entire adult life to, to make a little bit more than what these kids nowadays are asking yeah. for. And it's like I've had to work, you know, again, most of my adult life to, to have these skills so I can market myself mm-hmm. to be able to get paid that kind of money. So mm-hmm. it's like, how are you with no skills justified to get all that? Because yeah. you want it to all be equal. It's like, that's not how the fucking world Look, works. I do. I believe in equal opportunity. I do not believe in equal outcome. No, you can't have equal outcome. No. You know? So, but again, the point, and again, I'm not degrading people who have, you know, quote unquote, less than desirable jobs because I worked at less than desirable job for 10 fucking years. And, I loved it and I hated it at the same time. I worked fast food when I was younger. You know? Um, so, but the point I'm making is that, you know, we can, we're trying to indoctrinate people and say, if you don't have an education, you'll be nothing. You cannot provide us with anything unless you are educated, right? Yeah, but who's saying that? Society. No, the, the, the universities, the people making all the money yeah. from your student loans. Okay, so, but in turn, that creates a societal effect. I think society just says, what's, the, what's your human potential? Not so much are you educated, but just simply, you know, how much output can we get from you? Okay, but how do they measure that? Right. Via college degree. The point I'm making is that they're trying to tell people, if you don't do this, you can't succeed. And that's, but yet, that's fair, because that's how most people see the world. But I know plenty of people. Now, again, it, it, it changes. But like, so for grandpa, my grandpa had an eighth grade education. And he was a multimillionaire by the time he passed away. But it was because he spent a lot of his time learning a skill that nobody else knew how to do. And he applied hard work to that skill and stood by the work that he did. Right? Now, do I think it's the same way today? No. No kid could drop out of school in eighth grade and go start a multi-million dollar business, you know, not without having some kind of situation where there's that boost giving them that foothold right at least in my opinion kids aren't dropping out of school in eighth grade anymore to go provide for their families no not happening that's the point i'm making so you know it's there are plenty of people i went to school with who were not star academic students they were not star athletes they were just guys who showed up went to school did what they needed to do and now they run a successful business or are, you know, a high-level person in a specific company because they had a specific skill, right? The money that I could apply to learning some kind of skill would be fractions compared to what I would spend 
going to a university to learn how to regurgitate information and basically get a piece of paper saying, congratulations, you're qualified. Now, again, I do understand that there's a part of people who need to do that because we have to have that. We have to have highly educated people. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had computers in our hands and pockets, right? We wouldn't have heated jackets where I can push a button and the battery turns on and now I stay nice and toasty warm. Or a lot of the the medicine or the law Mm -hmm. or like the other fields that actually require an actual college degree. But you also have to dig the fucking ditch before you can build the road. Yep. You got to build the road before you can build the bank. You got to build the bank before you can build the fucking store. You got to build the store before you can build the houses. Somebody has to go down through there with a fucking shovel and dig the ditch first. And I think that what we have done is discredited the people who are in that position. You know, that's like the trash man. Skilled labor. Yeah, the trash man thing. You know, I'm sure you've seen that, you know, newspaper clipping or meme or whatever you want to call it. It's like a mom and a a son. You know, if you don't go to school, you'll you'll end up just like that guy. And that's a guy throwing trash into a, you know, trash truck. And then there's another mom with her son and she's pointing at him and she goes if you work hard and you do what that guy's doing you could have a happy successful life someday right it's all about perception perception yeah you know because growing up i said my grandpa fifth or eighth grade education he used to hound me when you go to college when you go to college you need to go to college you need to go to college he would say that to me if you you know you need to go to college if you don't you you know you got to have a college degree. Well, no, I don't. I don't have to have a college degree. I don't need to have a college degree to drive a CDL vehicle or to be a mechanic or to build cabinets or to be a, a, a framer for a construction company or to drive a piece of equipment around a rock and gravel pit and, you know, be a, an operator for them. You don't need a college degree for that. Be a commercial airline pilot making six figures a year without ever stepping into a college classroom. You know, I I know plenty of individuals who never stepped foot in a college campus. And, and I mean, they are extremely successful. I know, I know people who dropped out of college because they found more successful options for them. Yeah. You know, um, I met a guy one time, he invented non-static tubing for the medical industry. He was going to school to be a fucking surgeon. I mean, he had the smarts for it. He was flying through it with, a, with you know, flying colors. And one day he was in his dorm room working away, and something happened. And this was like the height of, like, all these explosions happening in hospitals because the oxygen-enriched environment, static from the things were causing them to blow up. He created non-static tubing, and now it's used by the entire medical field. That guy's a bajillionaire or whatever, <laughs> right? I mean, that guy's got, like, fuck you money. But it was all because he, you know, he saw a problem and he created a solution to it. Yeah. And it was such a great thing that he didn't even have to think about finishing college. He dropped out that day. You know, does that make him an undesirable in, in, in some, society's in eyes? In some people's mind, it would. You're right. Because they're so yet, focused on education. I'll bet they don't complain about that when her grandma's laying in the fucking hospital sucking down that oxygen and she's not exploding because she's <laughs> rolling around in her bed. True. Right? So, again, I think we've demonized the idea of being a skilled laborer. Yes. I mean, I think so many people are, are so down on the blue-collar world in general. And mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I mean, Jake's on the show all the time and I call him blue-collar proud. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's, he's happy to be 
I used to be like a CNC operator, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. When I went to, like, I got some classes and stuff, but no, no, like, formal education, just like some uh, classes to, like to learn how to do mm-hmm. what he's doing with the programming or what have you. Yeah. You know, it's like, but now he's like in, in something else where he's doing, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, uh, you, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Where you're like, you're, you're verifying all the products are done properly. Quality, quality control. Quality control. So you're doing more of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's good because, because he worked out on the shop floor and understands how yeah. the things are actually made and what's going on. He's, he's very well. Yeah, he knows how the sausage is made. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's, he's really set up well for that position because he knows what those guys are going through and he can go out there and help them yeah. fix that to get what he needs to make sure the quality is good enough to send out the door. Like that's, that's yeah. cool. It's like, and he's making a good living and providing for his family. Mm-hmm. To do that, like, there's nothing wrong with that. Just because he didn't go to school and has some fancy fucking degree mm-hmm. and has some white collar job somewhere, it doesn't mean that he's not a successful person yeah, doing what he wants to do. So it's, I don't know why it's so poo pooed acro- across, like, for people. It's like there's such a shortage of skilled labor. It's like you can get out of school, make some damn good money, not go into debt, and be making more than what these kids are graduating from college mm-hmm. because they've got a degree they can't use in fields because they're irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, it, it's, you know, it's, there's a, there's a serious demand for skilled labor in our yes. country right now. Huge. And, you know, uh, Realistically, I just, any labor I right just now. think that people are not willing to work that hard. They're just not when they know that they can, you know, wait another month or two or three or six or 12 or whatever and get a, an office job that they think is going to give them the six figures a year that they want so they can have their nice car and their nice house and their nice backyard and. You know, Why be self-sufficient when I can just be dependent and get everything from others right. as they give it to me? You know, but... Uh, <laughs> they, they just don't think about the fact that there may be a day where there aren't others around to give them mm-hmm. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that, that they don't. You know, because I would consider myself the same way. I used to consider... Because now that I'm down there in the in the position I'm in at the shop, down there at the IOF shop, I don't necessarily know that I would consider myself blue-collar anymore. Just because when I had my previous job of of doing you know being involved in the water well drilling and stuff you know i spent damn near 10 years of my life if not more doing that um and that meant every day waking up and putting on work boots and shoveling dirt you know not all day every day but that was part of it sweeping the floor shoveling dirt you know doing this doing that and you know i was not afraid to dive headfirst into a mud pit because that's what was required for us to complete this job right so being proud of that blue collar work was something that I I can understand because that was something I took a lot of pride in was that I woke up every day, I went to work and I didn't just, you know, oh, well, hard day at the office day. You know, I went out and we worked and we we worked with our bodies as much as we did our minds and you know, we had to be tough and you had to be rugged and you had to be smart, you know, and you had to be good at what you do. And I I took a lot of pride in that. You know, I, I still do. I mean, not to mention, those are the kind of jobs that built this country. Yeah, it's like I that said. give us the freedoms that we have now. The guys that dig the ditches yeah. are just as important as the guys that are making mil- multi-million dollar deals at the tippy top of their little skyscraper. Yeah, right. it takes a lot more of the guys on the ground than the guys up in the fancy you know, offices. So, like, I just, I for me personally, I kind of miss that. There's times where I feel like a turd because I don't do that anymore because I don't work as hard as I used to. 
you know, and I'll jokingly tell people, you know, I'm like, oh, when you're this efficient at your job, you can afford to be lazy, you know, but I just, I don't have that same, I mean, obviously I'm proud of what I do and I'm proud that I've been able to create something that in my mind, nobody in our area and, and nobody in my family or my immediate group has done, right? I've, I've accomplished something that's mine not really mine alone, but you guys understand the point I'm yes. making. You know, it's mine. I made this from nothing. When this first started, anything more than a whisper, and it would have been shattered, gone, you know, gone. So having that pride and and just the fact that I wake up every day and shovel some fucking dirt, I mean, that to me, that's an amazing thing. You know, that, that shows a lot of work ethic and and pride in your job, and even if it's just something as simple as drilling a water well for somebody. Because at the end of the day, we all know what water is for. We all know that we need water it to survive. It sustains life. Without it, yeah, we're it all Yeah, it sustains screwed. life. Absolutely it does. And there were many times I remember leaving a customer's house after finishing a well, whether it was a clean-out or a new well. Uh, they would tell us, you know, thank you. We really appreciate that. You don't know how nice it is to have hot water again. And I'm like, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. You're not the only person whose house I've had to stand here and watch them go over to their neighbor's house so they can take a shower, you know, or do this. or You know, but in that moment, at the end of it all, they were very proud that we were there to help them and do that for them. Yes. They were very thankful because we provided them with a, g- a good service yeah, that you they needed. Life-sustaining uh, things. But we get just as much flack from the people who, you know, we drive them big diesel trucks and, you know, you got, you know, the oil and, you know, the fucking gas and the fracking and blah, blah, blah. And they're, you know, you're killing the earth and you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'm like, you do realize that what we have done as a conglomerate has done more benefit for the environment than you ever have as an individual. What have they done as an individual? They bitch at others. But that's the point I'm making. So Mm -hmm. I was doing the dishes one night at home and I had the spigot just running, right? You know, Courtney, my wife, she came in and she's like, You're wasting a lot of water. And I said, Sweetheart, I said, I've given this world more water than I've ever wasted. (laughs) I said, if I want to let that fucking spigot run, I'm gonna let it run. (laughs) You know, and she's and obviously I was kind when I said it to her, you know, I but Ever since I said that to her, she has never once made a comment to me about leaving the spigot run while I'm rinsing off dishes or whatever I'm doing. But again, that's the point I make. I've provided more clean drinking water to more people in our community than I've ever wasted. And it probably will be that way for the entire rest of my life. Most likely. You know, I feel as though I could turn a spigot on at my house and let it run until the day I die. And I would still have provided more clean drinking water to this world than I have wasted. And I'll take that to my, that's a hill I'll die on. And I think that that idea is where we get lost. People don't, they don't take pride in that, that work anymore. Yes. Oh, you're a truck driver. You fat, lazy, fucking stinky piece of shit, you. Oh, you mean you provide all the things that get us all the things we need in our stores or to to even our doorsteps now from Uh, ordering online or doing whatever? Like, Uh, yeah. How do you think it's getting across the country? Oh, by trucks, jackass. Yeah. Yeah, So that truck driver works, what, 40 to 60 hours a week, gets to spend 20 to 40 hours a week with his family, yet 
that asshole who's the exec at that large corporation, right? He doesn't seem to realize that, well, he works 80 hours a week. So here he is devoting half of his life to achieving somebody else's goal that is higher than helping somebody else who's higher than him achieve their goal and not spending that time with his own family. Sure, the truck driver may not make as much, but I think he's got his priorities more in line. Yeah, he's providing for his family. He's doing a yep. service for the country and the community. Mm-hmm. I'll tell yeah. you what, I think it's a great place to wrap things up here. <laughs> we're here bullshit. This is good stuff, right. though. This is fun. Like, I always... I always it's just funny because like we were kind of like chatting back and forth. Like, what are we gonna talk about? I don't know. Like, what is this one thing we want to talk right. about? But what's the rest of the stuff? I don't know. Like, here and here we go. Just we get going. And bam, bam. Here we go. You should check out that book that I mentioned. That I think that explains a lot of what we discussed today. Mm-hmm. Kind of because they focus real heavily on post-industrial revolution and how. <laughs> and what book was that again? Uh, it's called how. Uh, it's called a hunter-gatherer's guide to the 21st century. Uh, Brett Weinstein and. Oh, I love Brett. I can't remember his wife's name. It, but her her last name's not Weinstein. No, no, she no. She kept her maiden. They they were just on the Joe Hogan experience that I was watching. I'm a few months behind at the yeah. moment, but uh, really oh, good book. God, I forget her name. Yeah, they just they just wrote a new one. Why they came on the show? That's to, what. Okay, to, to so that's the book. It. That might, might have been the one they were talking about. Yep. This was from a few months ago. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they were talking about the principles of it in there. It was, it was, mm-hmm. The song was very well thought out, but it was like very like much of an overview instead of like yes. a deep dive because they, exactly. they wanted to cover more things. It's just a very kind of it's a very broad. That's interesting. I was literally listening to that podcast the other day. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, will you have any uh, thoughts to wrap up here, Dennis? Stay safe. Stay dangerous. That's right, baby. <laughs> Ethan, in closing, that's my thoughts. line. <laughs> that's my line, you dickhead. Uh, Stay safe, stay dangerous. <laughs> uh, no, just, I mean, do do what you can to be a better person, be yeah. a better common sense, member of society. Common sense is an uncommon virtue these days, unfortunately. Take take the time to just look at the world as it is, you know. View things with face value instead of all the preconceived ideologies and biases and bullshit that society puts into us. <laughs> now, those are words to live by. All right. Well, boyos, always a pleasure. We'll definitely do this again soon. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Okay. Love you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. It's it's so funny because sometimes I I worry about what we're actually going to talk about on the show and then... We just get going and tangents start happening. We start going here and start going there. It's, it's always a blast. I definitely think there's some good information in here. And uh, I, I know that a lot of people have been asking me to cover the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. And I, I didn't really want to do it. But this this made sense to do it this way because for me, it's like nothing I'm going to say is going to be different than anything else that anybody else is saying. Well, let's be real honest here. But if there's some real world things that we can take away from it to hopefully learn that these guys are teaching in their classes, I think that warranted being put on the show. So that's the big reason why we wanted to cover that in today's episode. And other than that, we're just bullshitting, having a good time, and hopefully you guys are enjoying uh, yourselves as much as I know that we are. Because I know, I know that my face usually hurts when we get done recording because I'm usually smiling and laughing and having a great time. If you guys are still listening to the show at the moment, after two plus hours here, thank you so much for your support. It really does mean the world to me. The biggest thing we can do right now to support the show is to please go out and leave the show a five-star review. Also, share it with your friends. Talk about it. Um, you know, just hopefully 
get other people listening to the show if you're enjoying it. That that would be an excellent thing to help to help the show grow because I know that it's been growing over the last few months. It's been really fun to watch that happen. And also, if you guys have any suggestions of things that you would like us to cover or have any questions of the regular guests that we do have on the show, please go ahead and send us a message. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com and fill out the contact us form, or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. And both of those will land in my inbox, and we will get those covered on on an upcoming episode. But that is all we have time for this week, so we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.